Oh, oh, thank God, Kevin, you're here. Okay, so we just got notes back from the studio. Apparently, uh, a six-hour film was not tenable. Uh, they're wondering if tenable? we. Could... I don't. I I don't understand that. Well, typically, you know, movies are around maybe an hour and a half, sometimes even two hours. This movie is about the six American and a half. frontier. That's what it's about. The oh yeah yeah that is true. But he's, see, okay, look, this scene right here, right? Like you're riding a horse for like thirty minutes. It's just planes and vistas. Like I think maybe people kind of get the point after a minute and a half that you're riding you know to a destination to explore the American West, Mr. Editor. Uh, yeah. I mean, probably a, a long time, multiple years of horse riding. Yeah, okay. You, but see, you don't and, think you can stand 30 minutes of watching a horse when he probably rode night after night into the, into the night. To yeah. discover the American West. Okay. Well, I mean, here's another scene of you just bathing for 20 minutes. I mean, that seems gratuitous. I you don't like feel that? like you could. Well, I mean, you're a very fit, attractive man, but that yeah. seems to not really be. It seems to kind of be slowing the story down, I, I think. Who's, whose name? Who's, whose name follows director on this film? Mr. Editor, uh, Ke Kevin Costner. Kevin motherfucking Costner. That's right. I've only made three movies in Hollywood so far. Yeah, and they've given me the keys to the motherfucking kingdom. All right, so you gonna listen here when you gonna watch my bare ass get washed uh, in a stream. Okay. I'm doing it for history. Well, uh, do you think we could at least get it down to five hours? I've had enough. I've had. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Where's my fucking Dasani? God, all right. Just gonna need to call my wife and tell her I'm gonna be here for another month. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we break down the white savior trope in film and then we recontextualize it through a black and POC lens. And we've got a movie for you today. Damn, I'm uh, like, I can't boy. even hold it. Look, this is I, I've said this before. Like the more that we do of this show, and like the more that I'm exposed to movies that I've only heard of but have never watched, you know, like it's cause you cause you hear about these movies and they're like, I think this is part of the show, right? Like they're these prestigious yeah. Oscar winning films. And like if you've oh, yeah. never seen it and you've only heard about it and you only know about it from what other people have said about it you would think not even that they're great movies but like that but that you have to watch them right like they're movies that are worth your time to watch for sure for sure and actually this is what got me about this movie was like oh i'd never seen this yeah and it yeah. seems like it's so celebrated 
I definitely had to. I, I feel like it's a it's a huge blind spot, you know. Yeah. Like well, if before you I get, seen the Godfather or something. Yeah. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I am Jordan Clark. <laughs> on the show, and then I do have my co-host, Cameron Mason. And Cameron, do you want to introduce our guest this week? Yes. This uh, our guest this week is a good friend of mine. We worked together at the Metrograph, which is Woo-hoo. a bougie ass movie theater in New York City <laughs> that we love. We love. We, yeah, we got yeah. love for it as much as we got stories from it. Uh, my good friend Shay Vassar, film critic. Hello. Thank you for having me here to talk about this. <laughs> well, and, and tell, <laughs> well, there's tell a reason we're having. Is. There's a reason we're having you today. Uh, because your film criticism uh, comes with an eye, comes from an eye of Native American, a Native American point of view. And yeah. that leads us into the film we we're talking about today, which is uh, Kevin Costner's three plus hour, if you've seen different cuts of it, epic uh, Dances with Wolves. Hmm. Shay, tell Wolf. us a little bit about why <laughs> you wanted to discuss this movie. So I had never seen this film until I pitched a column to Film School Rejects called Through a Native Lens. And it was a film that everyone would ask me about. They'd be like, oh, you're Native. You write about Native people in movies. Like, what do you think about Dances with Wolves? And I'm like, oh, I've never seen it. So finally, I decided I was going to sit through it. And I have a lot of thoughts. And it was the first entry in my column at film school rejects but I only focused on the aspect of John Dunbar Kevin Costner's character so I have a lot of things about his character about the way things are set up the way that native people are portrayed and kind of put against each other um it can, I could probably talk about this movie a lot longer than anyone would ever (laughs) want to listen to me talk about it so yeah (laughs) well we're going to talk about it today and I I had never seen it and with a lot of these movies like I'll go and I'll ask my parents because they're both you know big into film just like oh did you ever see this movie like was this a movie that you and my dad was like I mean, he has feelings about Kevin Costner that I, I guess I awakened when we had this conversation because he something about Field of Dreams he just really didn't mm. like uh, and just he's held it against him ever since. And so I think he was like, because I don't know if Field of, Field of Dreams was the previous movie that he had done before this. I know this was like during like peak Costner, like peak Costner, you know, I like he's starting to like work you know, his way into, because then he goes, he makes a lot of weird movies after this, specifically that Robin Hood movie that nobody asked for, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, my dad was like, you know, just having seen the trailers for it and all that, like I just got a big whiff of White Savior and like was not interested in watching, you know, this three hour movie about (laughs) all this stuff. But it is, it is, something I do want to talk about a little bit later is just Kevin Costner is in a lot of these movies. Like Kevin Costner is, I would say like front runner for white savior hall of fame, because like he's in this, right. He's in, well, listen, so let's run it down. Right. He's in this, right. He's in, uh, hidden figures that we watched. Another another white people won't save you favorite. Yeah. I'm going to look this up real quick because there was another movie that he did that was like, about a group of 
cross country kids that he was like the the coach of and oh. um it was very much so this let's look at that mcfarland usa yeah oh. mcfarland usa oh, yeah. was That's the uh, disney movie right i yeah. forgot about that one yeah well let me see if you forgot about this one because this oh. was one that i recently was made aware of and i was like whoa <laughs> um black or white do any of you know about this movie I know nothing of this movie. Black or White is a movie where, again, Octavia Spencer might, she might also be in this Hall of Fame because she's involved in a lot of these and I don't know what's going on. Why is Octavia Spencer like (laughs) the black apologist of Hollywood? I don't like that. I don't understand what's happening. But basically, what happens is Kevin Costner is the grandfather of a black child who their mother dies. And so he is trying to get custody of her. Yeah. And yes. Octavia Spencer is like the grandmother. Yeah. And I have seen, I have also... actually seen this movie. I'm not, I'm lying. <laughs> that just sounds really Mm-mm. messy. It, yeah. it sounds messy and the trailer looks messy and we're going to watch it at some point. But yeah, because it is messy. <laughs> Kevin Costner seems to just keep coming back for this, though. Like something about this specific lane seems to speak to him about I need to be not <laughs> not only just involved in stories about people of color, but like I need to be the focal point of these stories like I need to be the one who either like expressly or inadvertently ends up saving these people and like teach you because I think this is what we're going to really discuss with this movie apologists for this movie like to say that Kevin Cosner is the one who was saved by the Lakota right. people and I think that's what a lot of these movies end up being is that oh no like that's how he explains it away it's like but no they saved me right like I yeah. come to learn so much about myself by just being brushing up against these <laughs> right these these exotic people you know I get to spend some time in their lives and then go back and be white again and it's great um, so <laughs> yeah I, that's that's something I really want to get into but for people who haven't seen this movie and I'm just gonna say it straight out you have better use of three hours every time uh, four yeah. hours if you watch the extended cut that exists Look, i i took a bullet for the team i watched the three hour and 52 minute extended oh, version wow. of dances wow. with wolves i, I have I to say you to do that man Look, it's I'm I'm down for the cause. I'm dedicated. That is dedication cuz Yeah. I do want to have a brief conversation after I finish explaining it to see if there's anything that you guys were like, I don't remember that scene at all cuz I am not going to watch this movie again. So I don't know <laughs> I'm never what is different again. from the extended version from the original version, but just a few things before I I get into Dances with Wolves uh in earnest and just we'll we'll talk about some of the the generalness about it so dance of the wolves came out in 1990 it's a western uh it stars kevin costner and a bunch of i mean one of the things it did do you have to give it at least a, a teensy bit of credit is it did kickstart a lot of careers for a lot of native actors there was you know a, a decision to be made to really you know include a bunch of different native actors and for a lot of them this was their first role and this was the role that kind of put them on the map and got them a lot of work after and there's a stat that i saw that like like before 1990 the list of um native actors and like the um the actors guild was like maybe like 48 or something like that and then you know after that like it was like in the you know 400 like you know this really built that up so 
it does star it stars kevin costner it stars uh mary mcdonald graham green Friday grant and West Duty. Shout out West Duty. West Duty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's there's a whole we can kind of get into a little bit of the behind the scenes of it because there was a whole situation with Kevin Costner, you know, having to put his own money into the movie because you know it was it was running like production was running long. The studio didn't really want to he'll keep giving him money for this movie but the budget for is 22 million but it ends up making 424 million dollars and winning like every award that you can imagine um so also you gotta admit and on you gotta also understand that like that's unheard of these days yeah yeah like you make a big budget drama with like no special effects no for 20 no extra kind of nothing just kind of flat forward you know, big budget movie making. And then you make near a half a billion dollars. That's incredible. That's yeah. Like yeah. literally unheard of. The so turnaround on that is great. Yeah. yeah. Like the turnaround on it is great. And so it's they love I mean, that. <laughs> we know I'm I'm gonna break this movie down for us real quick because when you hear what the movie yes. is, you're gonna say that made four hundred and twenty-four million dollars. Which means like every white person saw this movie sure <laughs> did yep because you know because you know we wasn't in the yeah. theater for this you know we no, wasn't no. there for three this. hours no. like no. three, like three sat hours through it and thought it was good after they yeah. sat through it even movies i like that are that long i will probably fall asleep during if i'm in the theater i mean the I scenes are kind of comfy it's dark i'm just like this is nice look i mean cameron i know your your mantra about movies have to earn two hours but yes. <laughs> i don't yes. even think this movie earned an hour and a half but it's, it's rough <laughs> i'm really sitting here it's funny because like also before we even get into the plot there okay. is an extended version that is four hours long the one yes. some of us here watched yes and that means they added 50 minutes of fucking movie on top of the shit pile Ugh. like it really could have been an hour and a half yeah allegedly it really could have it could easily be an hour and a half like you could still keep in like the wolf motif and stuff like that you could keep in all the extra extra training stuff yeah it'd be fine allegedly there was a five-hour cut that get out of my face cut down i don't know i mean what are we doing (laughs) let me make a movie i'm telling y'all let me make a movie yo if you want to give people money to do dumb stuff like this (laughs) give me some money i'm gonna give y'all something to watch gonna be great um well let's let's break this movie down in our segment that we call uh five minutes of of white bullshit uh <laughs> white people just <laughs> it's what they do so this is this is our five minute summary of dance with a wolf cameron are you gonna time me this time we're gonna get five yeah, minutes one yeah. of these days. we're gonna do it one of these days. we're I gonna sweet. make it work <laughs> we're gonna get in there well we've also been like fucking around with like three yeah. hour movies regularly recently well, i mean this is not a way of life by the way get it into five viewers. minutes yeah. We could do it. it. We could do it because it's really that's the point yeah. of what we were talking about. Like, right. This movie it, could have easily been an hour and a half. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. I got the timer going. Timer going. And go. OK, so Dance with the Wolves in five minutes. Basically, it's the Civil War. It's 1863. First ballot Hall of Famer, white savior Kevin Cosner plays Lieutenant John Dunbar. He's basically your typical disaffected white guy. His leg is fucked up. He wants to kill himself. They're in this, you know, standoff with the Confederate side. And so he just like steals a horse and rides out into the middle of the field. And the Confederate. Well, his foot is fucked up. Don't forget that. That's the first 
frame of the film is his fucked up foot. Yeah, they're about to amputate it. And so he's just like, I got nothing to live for. So he's riding out on this horse. And like the Confederates, I guess, are like stormtroopers because they can't shoot him. <laughs> he was like <laughs> right next to them. And he's basically right there. I mean, he like like leans back on the horse and like with his like arms kind of dangling. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. This iconic image is pseudo iconic image of him like Jesus in it out yeah. there in between the Union and the Confederate Army. Go ahead. I'll strike 10 seconds from it. Uh, so, <laughs> so then like the Union is like, oh, okay, I guess this is a distraction. So they go up and they, you know, wipe the floor with the Confederate soldiers. And after that, he's considered to be a, a war hero, basically, like he won that battle for them. So his reward is they give him a horse and then they say, you can do whatever you want now. Like you can go to whatever station you want to. Um, and just a very typical white man uh, fashion. He's like, I want to see the frontier while it still exists. Oh, like, oh. I want to go out and experience, you know, this this last bit of Americana while it's still around. And so they're just like, I mean, you know, do you, I guess. So they send him out <laughs> to uh, Fort Hayes, which is this isolated fort in the middle of Kansas. He goes out with this kind of like drunk dude who's taking him on this carriage. And when they get there, it's like, there's nothing there. Nobody's there. Everybody's abandoned the fort. He's like, well, you know, somebody's got to hold it down. So I'll just be here by myself. And like, that's almost an hour of the movie. What I just described. For real. So, for real. It's <laughs> so long for no reason. Um, eventually, like, you know, 40 minutes in, we get, you know, some of the, the native people. There's a weird, I don't know if you got this in the regular cut, but in the extended cut, there's just a weird section where like, I, I guess it's the Pawnee because this is where West Studio shows up. They just mark the traitor dude they just they scalp him straight up oh He's dead. so i i'll have to i'll stop it i also watched the extended cut up until you met the native characters yeah. only because i was watching it on a different service i I, mean, oh. I initially was watching this movie on youtube with ads oh, which boy. is god awful <laughs> yeah. and but i have this other service that i can use and like download movies from drivers and things like that anyway it was the extended cut but there were no subtitles scrubbed in so i was yeah. like i thought that the first couple scenes it was an artistic choice just not to have subtitles oh right <laughs> and i was mad i was getting frustrated at the movie yeah but i did see this scene yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of like the most that I I want to say it's in the non extended cut unless I somehow watch the extended cut and don't fully no, remember I hope you, I hope when they scout that. dude because it's a whole thing. They scout. It's him. a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so timer is back. <laughs> so after that, you know, I mean, he's just fucking around for 30 minutes. He's at the fort. He meets a wolf. He takes animals out of the river. You know, he's just cleaning shit up. He's doing this awful, like, diary um, voiceover where it sounds it's like he's falling asleep. Awful. And he's just, you know, spouting, like, this uh, pseudo poetry about the plains and, like, you know, American life and all this other stuff. Eventually, we see a little bit of the Lakota Sioux tribe. And we get a brief, like moment with them where you know we see a woman's grieving over her husband and this comes back once they make contact with with Dunbar like one of them rolls up on him while he's like naked in the river and is kind of going through his stuff and then he runs out and chases them off and then there's a lot of just weird like stupid uh like pratfall type comedy in this movie too that I just yeah. I was not 
I wasn't sure what the vibe they were going for is. But mm-hmm. anyways, after that, he's like, well, you know, there's there's natives out here. Like, I better go check them before they check me. It's basically his thinking. So he goes to where he believes they are. And upon the way, he comes across uh, Stands With a Fist, who just so happens to be coincidentally another white woman. Uh, who was part of this tribe and was it. was taken in as a child and he comes across her as she's grieving the the death of her husband and she's like cut herself and he picks her up and takes her back to the tribe they're like thanks now you can get the fuck out of here like we don't want to be around you because we know what white people do and he goes back to his fort but then for some reason they're like well maybe this white man might be different like we should like investigate <laughs> or something and so this is the next hour of the movie is there's kind of this like trepid back and forth between uh you know the Sioux and Kevin Cosner um and they kind of just like exchange stuff and kind of talk a little bit and eventually they get stands with a fist to like interpret for them so like the main the main figures in the Lakota Sioux tribe are Kicking Bird uh, who is Graham Greene. Uh, and then there is Radier Grant, who is wind in his hair. And then uh, Floyd Red Crow Westerman, who is Chief Ten Bears. And then uh, Nathan Lee chasing his horse, which is smiles a lot. So those are like the main, like you see those over and over again. That's and, five. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we're almost <laughs> done, actually. You know, we're we're really almost done. Pretty though. good. Yeah. Because again, a movie that's so long, like actually it doesn't, do a lot no so this is yeah. what happens so so they kind of go back and forth eventually dunbar knows that they're looking for buffalo he sees the buffalo he's like yo buffalo are moving this way like let's go they go out with him to chase the buffalo and apparently like white hunters have killed all the buffalo and skinned them and left their carcasses so that you know makes the lakota real upset so they go and find those people and just kill them and scalp them and kevin kaiser's like that's fucked up but i guess we're still friends and he continues to hang out with them uh and then after that <laughs> like there's another just another hour of the movie where he's basically just around them kind of like learning about them really terribly speaking their language and then eventually he's like you know stands with a fist like i'm trying to get with that what's up with that uh they're like well she's still in mourning he's like i don't really care about that like uh when's she gonna be done with that <laughs> basically you're not wrong <laughs> that's like, exactly that's the conversation literally the conversation yep um like he obviously uh, learned a lot right like to re- about oh respect God. and whatnot because he's oh, like yeah. yeah when is your morning stuff done like yeah when can we can we speed that along yeah, yeah. like i'm ready and they kind of do <laughs> i mean eventually they're just like okay like we sh- we're, we're gonna stop playing around um the pawnee which is the tribe that west studio is a part of i guess there there wasn't room for two nuanced takes of native culture so like they're just just savage uh, <laughs> rapists and murderers like they just they're like we're gonna come in here and fuck everything up so part of the Lakota go off to you know confront them but then another part of the Pawnee has broken off and they're coming straight for the uh, Lakota tribe so 
Kevin Kaiser's like, yo, I, I keep the thing on me. Like I got the strap back at the fort. Like <laughs> we need to go, <laughs> we need to go dig it up. They go dig it you up. Know, I keep that does. thing on me too. You, Cause you know, you <laughs> come around this way. You just might get clapped. <laughs> and that's what happens. They come around uh, and then he's, he's got a bunch of rifles and he's just like, yeah, like a rifle makes you twice the warrior basically. And like, we just shoot them all. Jesus, so they just, Jesus. they just, murder all of the pony like west duty gets like circled by a bunch of them yeah, and then that, they that all shot is badass though even it though is. it makes no sense because you know somebody got hit like across the yeah. circle so they all they they i guess they win i don't really know the pony never really come back up again i guess either they're all dead or they just, we're just done with that but after that uh <laughs> He eventually marries Stan with a fist. They uh, bang for like 20 minutes. And then... <laughs> You're not wrong, though. After that, he's like, they're like, oh, we got to go back. We got to go our, now. Like... We got to go to our winter, you know, site where, you know, we, we relocate for the winter. And he's like, bet, let's go. Also, I forgot my journal. Even though I technically live here now, like I left this journal back at the fort, which contains all the information about where I've been and what I've been up to and like information about you guys, I guess, just in case anybody wanted that. But I should go get that now that I'm I'm leaving. And so he goes back to get it. Of course, the U.S. Army is in the fort. They've been there for a while. They see him riding down. He's in full uh, Lakota Sioux attire. So they just assume, even though he's clearly a white man, that he is a native. <laughs> and they just shoot him and his horse, killing his horse. It's a big emotional moment. He then is, you know, taken prisoner, basically, because they're like, who are you? And he's like, you know, I'm Dunbar, like, you don't know me, haven't you heard about me, big war hero, they're like, don't know who you are, don't know why you're here, um, and he's getting upset, and then he's basically like, you know what, fuck white people, my name is Dancing with Wolves, you know, like, I, I, I'm repping the Lakota now, like, you can fuck off, and then they're like, well, I guess you're gonna go hang, like, we're gonna go take you to be hung, eventually, um, you know, like, earlier in the movie, he's made friends with a wolf, I mean, it kind of comes and goes and two socks. Then, yeah, two socks. And yeah. then like the U.S. soldiers are like, guess we're going to shoot this wolf for no reason. So they shoot the wolf and they and, hurt. Uh, they hurt him. Yeah. I mean, they kill. They kill the wolf. The wolf is dead. And then, he, <laughs> and then dances he, with wolves is like, wow, yeah. you killed my friend. Yeah. He's going off. He's he's angry. They're <laughs> taking him like over this like river and that's when you know his people come back the the sioux tribe come back and they rescue him um they kill all the u.s soldiers it's revealed that they had his journal the whole time and i guess just didn't give a shit um no that then, one pesky uh officer was like i'm gonna hoard this for myself yeah uh, like <laughs> but why is this, it doesn't even like they never address why the journal is like that important like I it's guess like, he's just recording all this information again. It's just like, but you, why is that not on you at all times? I, yeah, right. right. Because in my opinion, I felt like that was a plot device. Because why would you forget something that literally the narration of the film is coming from? Yeah, right. But you also had like you don't live at the fort anymore, like bro, bro unless like, you were planning to go you, back. Fam, at some like, point. Yeah, I don't. Like, anyways, there was no wouldn't reason. you want to record? Yeah, why wouldn't yeah. you want to record like what's happening with you at the tribe? Like, I don't know. I, fam like yeah no mistake 
no very rookie mistake but basically the end of the movie is this he goes he's like back with the lakota sue now and then they're like you know you're one of us but he's like i can't be one of you because now the army knows they're after me and that means they're after you so like i'm going to do the honorable thing and leave and they for some reason beg him to stay even though i mean <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't know how long he's been there but i guess he's like the center of their whole community now for whatever reason um and then like sure. uh, <laughs> um these movies <laughs> it doesn't even yeah this yeah. is reckless this shit is reckless and and the what, fact that this is a fiction novel is like yeah that it's based on is like also whatever continue continue when, oh yeah well i mean that's the, the end like when this hair gets on the mountain he's like you're my friend that's yeah, it waves to him that's like yeah it. and then and there's then like a like, little like closing uh little epilogue like uh yeah a few years later they killed all the natives <laughs> like, yeah that was Yo, the end the of... <laughs> it's so polite it's like the politest way of saying and then the white men killed all the natives oh and there was genocide all of them. And just then, then, completely uh... all of Dude, them hold so... up let me yeah. read it let me read it because when i was reading this thing too also you get to the end of the movie and you're like oh i feel like if i'm a white man if my name is henry or george or whatever the fuck <laughs> and i go to the movies and i see this thing and at the end, like dances with wolves and his fellow Sioux members, if you want to call that, uh, are the victors at the end of the movie. But like in life, they're totally like the victims. Yeah. One thousand and a half percent. Let me yeah. read you this epilogue real quick because it's Please fucking do. garbage. It's the, like the <laughs> stupidest. It's like the it's like the most roundabout way of saying like mass genocide occurred after this. Uh, 13 years later, their homes destroyed, their buffalo gone. The last band of the Free Sioux submitted to white authority at Fort Robinson, Nebraska. The great horse culture of the plains was gone, and the American frontier colonization was soon to pass into history. Ooh. Yo, this shit is yeah. just wild, reckless with like lives it's, lost. So, Shay, uh, watch, watching this movie again, how did you feel? Um, <laughs> it's a lot like also like i i mean it is really beautiful like because the scenery is like insanely just perfect yeah. um that's like the only positive thing i guess i'll say about it yeah, other we than... should give it its flowers in that sense before yeah. we like trash this garbage yeah. pile this film it's the only, pile the good part. only good things to say about it are one it like you said looks beautiful like if it does look it, beautiful giving it best cinematography for that year i can understand it right like, totally very very beautifully shot second we'll give them credit for using the lakota language in the movie and like heavily using it where you know much of the movie is subtitled although there is a little controversy about that because they uh, messed a lot of that up but uh, <laughs> yeah I was actually gonna say like so Doris Leader Change was a Lakota teacher that they had who taught it but even like I had a Lakota guy once tell me that when they were kids watching it like teenagers they all laughed because she as a woman taught them all the feminized version so mm -hmm. like yeah so uh -oh. they they speak the language like kind of incorrectly like it's not yeah. incorrect incorrect but it's like not the way men would usually speak right. it and so there's Kevin mostly men <laughs> yeah and it's mostly movie. men like you have their little cameos 
and whatnot, but it's like mostly a male film, especially yeah. a white male centered. Mm, yeah, <laughs> sure is. That, um, that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So wait. So like, I mean, you said earlier, like this was, you know, you saw this movie more more recently. Like this wasn't something that you saw in your youth. But like, what what do you remember people saying about? dances with wolves when you were younger like was it a movie that people are like you should watch this movie or was it a movie that people are like Dances with wolves ain't it um it's a mix so it's really a mix because of like that generational divide where this was really the first movie where you had actual native people playing natives the history there is usually just like red face and you see that all throughout you know, the 40s and 50s with the Westerns where they would literally just paint people darker. And so this was the first film where it, I mean, as much as it was at that time, at least, it's like, now we can look and be like, this film's problematic. But at that time, it was like, hey, these are Native people that are like have names, have like motivation, are played by actual actors and, and Native people. So it, I think for that generation, it was like a big deal. But of course, like anyone that's more my age is like, no, first off, this film is boring. Like, I don't care if there's native people in it. It's so boring. Um, but also like, you know, when you dive into the deeper nuances and the conversation that's just created around like representation. And also I think the, like the conversation since like 1990 and like with video games and the way that that kind of influences possible violence or whatever, you know, I feel like some of that is the media, but, um, but, you know, we've, we've had like a development of that conversation since then so it's definitely different and um but yeah I don't want to say like all people who were born in like 1959 to 1972 were like yeah I love the movie but that is the demographic I usually mm. hear it from yeah uh Cameron what what did you think about because this was the first time you'd seen it as well don't watch movies on YouTube with ads uh, no it's actually it's actually a much better experience than watching like a movie like remember like when you had channels yeah and you would watch a movie during the day and it'd be cut up to shit and definitely commercial like six minute breaks of commercials yeah no it's, it is better than that um aside from the technical aspects of the movie of my viewing experience uh yeah so when i was a kid i think i was what three when dances with wolves came out but I am aware of like, you know, in the 90s, I'm aware of like it's public perception, right? It's an mm -hmm. epic film. It's about the old American West. I didn't know it was based on a fiction novel. So that was where I would I started to meet this movie, you know, <laughs> at its face. Because I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, this is like glory. This is this is a thing that happened and we better fucking get it right. Like it was kind of like, all right, this is basically. And also you had to take into account that this is Kevin Costner directing Kevin Costner. Yeah. So. And his directorial just, debut. In his directorial debut. It's a big deal. Who gets that much money for their directorial debut? Though? I don't know. Because I mean, like Sam, like Bradley Cooper made a remake of A Star is Born, you know, for the studio. Yeah. So like true. these things happen these do know? happen still I, wait, these things do but, happen. um yeah yeah well, exactly exactly <laughs> that part exactly that part 
Um, so I was meeting it with a little bit of like, you know, ego pushback. I was like, all right, so this is a vanity project, regardless of how you paint it. It's a vanity project, right? Mm -hmm. So then I go into this movie and immediately the worst parts of, of the movie are actually like right up front and center. Like, <laughs> like you said, that comedy stuff, there's like shtick going on during this movie. A lot of places too. Yeah. Um, and it's PG 13. It's like, it's, it's fairly violent at times. Yeah. Very serious about its violence as well. Um, but then there's all this comedy bullshit going on. There's like, the i feel like it feels forced like the forced imagery moments you know him in the beginning of the movie when he is caught in the stalemate between the union and the confederacy and then he just like puts his arm out or his arms out over the horse and he's just like galloping to nowhere and i'm like yeah what the fuck like even if, if he I did missed that, something like i yeah. was like I, was there I honestly beat did because I felt like I was watching the movie pretty intently. Like it's later in the movie that I started. Like I even I'll admit I looked at my phone, but like in the beginning parts of the movie, it's like chopped up kind of crazy. So you don't really yeah. know like what his impetus is, other than like my foot is messed up, like gangrenous. It's bad, and uh, there the armies are caught in a stalemate. So what am I to do but just grab a horse and just get out there, like? Yeah. What the what are you telling? What are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Well, it's, it's and then it happens too. and he's like, just like, don't take my foot. Like it's it's played for laughs. That's ridiculous. It's wild, too, though, because then the general comes up and he's like, oh, that shit. We can get that fixed up. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's not even a big deal. No one <laughs> light, said that beforehand. Like, are you kidding me? And then and then so so what also doubled down on it is the following scene where he heals from this. And he goes to see the lieutenant and the lieutenant says, you know, the lieutenant character basically is what you meet him as like a, a he's not necessarily a drunk, but he is. I was like, trying to figure out what was going on. I thought I was watching a different movie. I, I'm assuming he's like, you know, because this is the only way I could come at it is this is a movie about civil war time. So people weren't like properly addressed for like medical care or uh, mental health. But this lieutenant is like mumbling to himself. He uh, meets him with aggression. But then then there's the signing of the document where he says, oh, you can go to Fort Hayes. Scribble, scribble, scribble. Like it's like it's like joking. It's like he's in yeah. a sketch comedy where he's scribbling. So it's crazy. And <laughs> then he holds, like yeah, drunk in that history all of a sudden. Like it's, it's like, like drunk like... history. It's, go it's goofy. It's, yeah. it's honestly goofy. Because I was like, oh, did I miss something where he like took his pills beforehand? Or I don't know, whatever. And he's scribbling on this paper. He folds it into like a million sections mm -hmm. and then tosses it at him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> is, it, is it your motivation that's making yeah. you go like, fuck you? Here's a little tiny piece of paper that says you can go to the middle of nowhere. Or is it like, I just don't want to see you again, so go away. Or is it right. I'm crazy because at the end of the scene when he walks out, when uh, Dunbar walks out, the lieutenant literally pees himself and then says, I have urinated on myself and there's nothing you can do about it. Like literally yeah. that phrase. Like this is the same movie. Dude, this is the same movie with the Jesus arms and like vistas of the Dakotas. Like, and, and then he pisses himself. 
<laughs> literally the next cut is like the officer coming in to be like lieutenant we heard that he left and he has shot himself in the head and there's yeah. no explanation for any of the following things that you've seen so no literally the first 20 30 minutes of the movie are just like a jackie chan meme like what am i doing here like the wah face like yeah what's happening and and so like i go on and watch this movie and then i'm just while it's beautiful i'm just like awestruck at like how self-serving it is because i'm not looking at dunbar i could care less it's it's kevin costner wanted to make this movie about this thing yeah no matter what at the end of the day i can't i can't uh separate the two yeah Cameron, we say it all the time but (laughs) white people are crazy i'm telling you it, it, like I could never imagine Orion Pictures, let alone any movie studio, asking Cameron, "Hey, Cameron, I, what do you want to make?" I'm, I'm not even like I'm obviously not even like I'm. I make commercials for grocery stores. I don't do like <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood. But if if I was in a Hollywood, say I'm an Anthony Mackie or of a sort or whatever, like I got pull, you know, okay, I could right. never imagine like the studio coming to me and being like, Cam, what's up? We got a book option here and like $30 million. What do you want to do? And I'm just like, I want to do like my crazy, but even if I want to do it, it's about me. It doesn't matter what the movie is about. I can yeah. make, you know, Amistad 2 Electric Boogaloo and it's, you know, it's still going to be about, it. hey, please, everybody, when my first <laughs> movie is Amistad 2 Electric Boogaloo, please still see it. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm but gonna start like, to it's... give us more free. Give, give us that mo free, <laughs> mo free. That's what it is. It's like mo money, mo free. Um, but yeah, it's it's so clearly a vanity project, and it's so clearly not about the people it claims to be for. Well, let's talk about that because that was my biggest takeaway yeah. from this movie besides yeah. the fact that it was super boring. Again, never watched the uh, yeah. cut of this movie. Across the board. Know, 52 <laughs> additional minutes of I don't know. Like I don't Yeah, like, what did you like I want to know like, what you saw that I didn't but I don't just a lot more like bore like stuff. Like it just like Yeah. Unexplainable. Yeah, this, you're right. This movie is filled with just like stuff, like scenes of just like it's like yeah, it's a lot there's of, the part where he says like I, I wanted to clean up, so he just cleans up, and you watch him clean for thirty in minutes time. in yeah. real. Th- you watch this dude mop a floor, like he literally empties a lake of like dead rotting animals. Yeah, I, you could clock it at easily six or seven minutes. Yeah, of just a, a man just... lifting animals out of water. It's for again why who who also allowed this like who like watched the cut like even the second cut after they were like no you need to cut this more and they were like okay this is fine this is fine they should have still been like no no we still need like an hour cut from this yeah well so so here's the thing that (laughs) you know getting into the the real white saviorness of of it all of this movie that i like i just i was trying to find what people are talking about because the biggest thing that you'll hear you know defenders of this movie say is that oh no it's the other way around you see like the Lakota Sioux they saved Dunbar he didn't save them but 
when you watch the movie, one, he literally saves uh, Smiles a lot from getting run over by a buffalo. And then oh, he one. saves the whole, you know, tribe or whoever's left when the Pawnee come in because he's like, I've got guns, so we're going to see them here. And then at the end, he's like, oh, guess what? Like, the army's going to come for you. So, like, I'm going to leave and, like, cover your trail so you can go and, you know, escape. So that's three literally times. three, three <laughs> different <laughs> instances of the white man saving. That he literally the saves them because, like, the implication oh my is God. if he's not there, smiles a lot dies like the buffalo dies. runs him yep. over the implication is if he's not there that the Pawnee are just going to slaughter everybody who's left at the at the campsite and then the implication is if he's not there to you know kind of cover the tracks like that they were going to run right into you know this U.S. Army battalion and probably get killed because the white here's so here's what happens in this movie right and we talk about this a lot there is Kevin Costner right Dunbar and then there's all the other white people, right? Like the only other, I guess, good white person is Stands with the Fist, but you're not supposed to see her as white. She's supposed to be just right. really part of the tribe. Sure. So Kevin Costner Whatever. is literally <laughs> the only good white person in the movie. Every other white person you meet in this movie is like borderline mustache twirling, like, you know, just like the, the worst scum of everything. And it's done for some kind of effect to show, oh, like, look at how bad the white people were back then. Like, things have changed yeah. that much. But, but uh, if they really <laughs> wanted to do that, they could have done that. They could have did that. But they, they could have did that. But here's the thing, right? So we're going to kind of blend some of the research and, you know, just our opinions about it. Because the movie is written by uh michael blake who also wrote the book right right and he wrote the book because he couldn't get the screenplay you know sold the first time he was trying to sell this as a as a screenplay but then kevin costner was like you should make it into a book so then he made it into a book and then kevin costner was like great like you know i'm going to pitch this around and like get this movie made and so when you listen to so like, sorry Chaka. just thinking of how like manipulative that is i'm like oh it's oh, worse yes. so i mean if you want to get into like the real nitty-gritty of it kevin costner has said it's weird when you listen to both of them talk about it because clearly they're remembering things very differently you know blake is like yo like my buddy kevin costner you know like we were coming up in the industry together and you know like i was having some hard times and he helped me out and like you know i i i took his advice and turned it into a book. And then like, we got this movie made, it was great. Kevin Cosner says, you know, I had this friend way back when who, you know, I was trying to help him out. And he just, he was always complaining all the time. And like, I would get him, <laughs> you know, interviews and like set up with stuff. And he would always come out of it saying, I hate Hollywood. And I hate, you know, this business. And I would be like, why are you complaining so much? Like, why are you running down Hollywood? Hollywood's not bad. It's great. And then one day, Blake, gave him the same thing and kevin kaiser is like i basically like yoked him up against the wall and was like yelling at him and told him to like get out and why don't you leave hollywood if you hate it so much or whatever and so dude like left and then you know a few weeks later was like can i sleep on your couch and kevin kaiser was like all right and so like he comes and sleeps on kevin kaiser's couch for like two months and the whole time he's working on the book dances with wolves and then eventually kevin kaiser's wife was like he needs to leave and so he kicks him out of the house 
<laughs> and like dude goes to I think it was New Mexico and is like working as a as a dishwasher in a Chinese restaurant and then like working on Dances with Wolves the whole time and he keeps trying to get Kevin Cosner to read it and Kevin Cosner's like I don't fuck with you anymore like lose my number don't speak to me but then eventually like Kevin Cosner was like and then I, I finally read the novel and I was like this is the most like you know, like this is, I was reading a movie, like I was seeing everything, like this was the greatest, like he did it. I was so proud of him. And like, then we made this, this beautiful movie together. So it's this weird, I don't understand that relationship between the two of us. It's very strange. That's, that's awful. I don't know what's up with that, but William, this is what uh, Michael Blake, sorry. This is what Michael Blake had to say about Dances with Wolves because he said when he was writing the novel and then the screenplay, he was like, I, I would be Dances with Wolves if I was alive at the time. I see myself as Dunbar, right? And like, that's what all the white people who saw this movie were like, oh, I would be Dunbar. Like, I would do what he did, which raises the question, well, then who are these bad white people? If you ever, all of you are the good white people, then like, right. who's who are these people? And then also like, would you really though? Because it's kind of the same sentiment as like the people who are, oh yeah, you look, if I was at that mass shooting and I had my gun, like that would have never happened. But it's like, would it though have happened? Because, <laughs> because you, could you really right. say that it would have been different? I don't believe that. And so, you know, the same thing, it's like, would you really have been the altruistic, you know, white man in these times? Or would you have well, been not necessarily like the the union or confederate soldier kind of like you know stereotypical people but like we have talked about this before when we were talking about Amistad right and we were like they were abolitionists and they did want slavery to end but they didn't want black people to live next to them and it's the same thing where it's been like well yeah you probably wouldn't have wanted genocide to happen but you also didn't want native people to like have a say in the formation of this country and like be able to vote and like do all those other things. So I don't think you really wanted good things for them. You just didn't want them to be murdered, which is not like a big, it's, it's, I not, mean, that's the, basic it's not the human. flex you think it is. That's yeah. like the bare minimum. <laughs> right. And I think right. that's like, like I like your idea of think of the way it does set it up as like bad and white people where Dunbar comes in and like, when I wrote about this film, I basically said, because, you know, the the whole trope of the manic pixie dream girl is like mm-hmm. when a white guy who's like moody and sometimes artistic, but he has like these deep inner turmoils. Yeah. And he like, basically, there's a character that's kind of like underdeveloped, who's like really whimsical. And she's only there to like help him move forward. Right. Like. Yeah that's literally how the native characters are for Dunbar. Like he gets his self-worth out of saving these people. And yeah, like yeah. when he leaves at the end, like it's not like a, Oh, I need to, to go. Or like, I, I need to stay. I'm going to miss you guys. Like, yeah, they wave and stuff. That's cute. But like, it's more <laughs> like a, a certain amount of like, no, I can now leave now because I did my good deed. Like yeah. I have worth now that I have helped you guys. And now I'm going to leave you to face genocide. Goodbye. Yeah. And so it, it kind of is an interesting idea of this, this different level of what is harmful and I think you know the last like couple of years this kind of discourse has come like more out into the mainstream of like 
the idea of microaggressions, right? Or like, mm-hmm. well, like um, performativity, but it also kind of reminds me of like, I don't know why this makes sense in my head and hopefully it makes sense to y'all, but like the way that even Dunbar in the beginning is like, I need to see this area I need to experience or this trend or be, be before the trend because it's going to be gone one day. And I can be like, yeah, I went out West. Yeah. Um, I mean, he literally says that that's exactly yeah. what he says. He's like, I just want to see the American frontier before, before it's, gone. it's gone. That's literally like what all the Brooklyn hipsters say about like the little cool places that are probably going to shut down because they can't mm-hmm. afford their rent because of gentrification. They don't want to help you know, fight against any of the inequality for like rent or like being the people priced out. for the people who actually live there, the families that have lived in these neighborhoods. For right. Years. They just want to be like, oh, no, I go to this really cool hole in the wall. That's like, you know, like, oh, it's you probably wouldn't know it. Like, yeah, that's kind of what Dunbar is like. But it reminds me of when a couple years so ago, Dunbar is the hipster of the American West. He literally sure. is the hipster of the American West. But and I, uh, I don't even know. You guys are probably going to be like, what? But like, I also want to draw a connection to, do you remember a couple of years ago when there was a lot of like Instagram girls who were doing yoga with mm-hmm. goats? Yeah. That's kind oh of what God, I feel like, yeah. like, it just doesn't even really make sense. Like, right. Like this idea that Dunbar, like just had this like suicide attempt. He just had this weird, like thing. And then all of a sudden he like wants to go out West and do this thing that is like in his mind really cool but like in actuality it doesn't really mean anything to him and it's only for his own fulfillment and I feel like that's how like yoga with goats is like and I mean I don't know a lot about yoga with goats but like it just doesn't really sound like anything I want to do because like yeah I think goats are cute like little baby goats are cute sure but how do you do yoga with them? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like nothing about it makes sense. So, and that's kind of, it's only for your own fulfillment. And for those girls with goat yoga, they were doing it so (laughs) that they would look cool. It was trendy. Right. But you didn't want to do it before it was like too popular because then you were just like a follower or whatever. Another yoga girl. Yeah. Another yoga goat girl, even though they all are yoga goat girls, because it was like a big trend for a while. And I'm like, first off, where are you guys even going for this? (laughs) But that's kind of how Dunbar feels is like everything is his own motivation. Like it's like even when he's like cleaning out the house and or the fort, it's like because he wants to right like it's not that's a hundred percent how i felt it it's so yeah. weird what, well, what, what when he says that literally in the movie is like today i clean or i set out to clean up the camp i'm like for who for yeah. who it's not I like mean, it's that yeah. bad anyway like and it's not like a million people were coming anyway like no. even no. if even if the soldiers who were going to follow up and check on you like later might have been like eight dudes for real right yeah well like, it wasn't say- going to be I mean, it ended up being yeah. the entire American movement, but, but for some well, reason, because yeah, Dunbar, uh, but, you know, because Dunbar, right? Right. Well, as a great man once said, and a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. Every time, Cameron, every time, <laughs> every time, <laughs> though, every time, like the, just <laughs> I had concrete floors when I was grown, when I was a kid, like. The audacity to just be like, no, that country is mine. All this is mine. I want like this one man in this movie literally exacts the American experiment, right? From colonization of the 13 colonies and then moving west into the territories. 
this one man literally and this is a fiction book by the way based right. on other people's experiences that actually yeah. happened because america is america but like this guy literally was just like i want to go out there i want to see what's out there and probably die out there yeah well look here's and got the opportunity and and then another white man followed up and was like yeah i want to make a movie about <laughs> seeing that and doing that yeah and i'm gonna star in it and i'm gonna right. star in it and i'm gonna direct it yeah uh, i mean Jesus this is this Christ, is the what, audacity yo i'm just like i'm fuming yo <laughs> this is another thing that i why i can't get into this movie in specific but like a lot of these similar kinds of movies is like we talk about this a lot too when white people watch these movies they are kevin costner or they are you know some of the other people when we watch yeah. these movies we are the people of color in these films and for me right. in you know the 1800s my ancestors in america were slaves and my ancestors in puerto rico the taino were being murdered by <laughs> colonizers like, and also enslaved so you know when i'm watching these movies i they, like reminiscing on like america and like what it used to be and like the good times it's like for native people it's like yeah it was good when you weren't here like right <laughs> damn, what's that movie like yeah where is that when you weren't here <laughs> you know but like God, in, damn. in the 1800s like you know for a native person it's like yeah that was awful because you were relentlessly hunting us down and pushing us further and further you know out of our land and so and then, you know no and then killing the buffalo also this film really <laughs> sets up the native people to look just like stupid there the part where he like introduces them to sugar i mean oh, and coffee yeah like yeah. i'm sorry but like y'all have been here since the 14 late yeah. 1400s early 1500s i mean first contact with the cherokee my tribe was like 1530 something like that you know so like trade in between tribes and like things like sugar beads which you know we still hold really close like for our beadwork and stuff like coffee we're not stupid like no. we tribes everywhere had sugar and coffee already like that, that was scene not, is egregious that scene is wild, so bad it's so bad well, there's a lot of egregious stuff because what I just don't understand is this, the way that the movie sets up Kevin Costner as different, right? He's a, he's a different way. I mean, even like he built different. Yeah. He, I mean, is, they, he is the epitome of that, of that video of that dude being like, I'm built different, but he's got an right. egg between his, mu his muscles and he cracks <laughs> the egg between his muscles. Kevin Costner is that he is so yeah. regular, but well, he so thinks regular. he's, He's so fucking mediocre, but yet he is like he wasn't as a, a heartthrob of this time or anything, right? Like he's just a man. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, you talking was... about like the character Dunbar or like Kevin? No, Costner? like Kevin Costner. Like Kevin. Oh, yeah. I always... He was a heartthrob. Was he? He was a heart. I just like when I see him, I'm just like, oh, you're just another dude. Like that's how yeah. I see him. So maybe that's just me though. Like yeah. he's not like Brad Pitt, but he was right. like okay. definitely like husky. Like housewives probably ate up like suburban white housewives <laughs> yeah. probably ate themselves up some kevin costner i mean yeah. i've fucked that black people because like they made the bodyguard they where sure he did. is whitney Ooh. houston's love interest yeah like, i forgot about that That happened rumor is that that's going to remade with tessa thompson and chris hemsworth but i, I just mean, heard that news today and i want to throw this chair that i'm sitting in out to about that later. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I there's a lot of wild thing well because of the thing like there 
um, Kicking Bird basically says like there's something different about this white man, and it's like what is it? What is what different is the about thing? him? Like how could you? Because even like there's a scene where um, Ten Bears is like he pulls out a Conquistador helmet, which not gonna not, they're in they're in yeah. Kansas like that's they weren't up there, but he pulls out this helmet and he's like, you know, our our people have survived, you know, like generations of these white men and like you know there's but it's like but if that's the thing then you know how they get down like you know what's up right. so like why he ain't different. Yeah, why is this one white man like something so fascinating? And so because he becomes such an integral part of their community and the way that the movie right. spins out, I, like I agree very much with Uche in terms of it being like manic pixie, I guess like natives. Right. <laughs> in the sense of like they like every part of the movie is centered around Dunbar and every mm -hmm. motivation if there was a Bechdel test for you know the characters in this movie speaking to each other they're never really speaking to each other about anything that isn't directly related to Dunbar or directly related to something that Dunbar is going to help them with right like there's right. never a moment where they're just having a conversation about like their tribe in general or there's never a conversation about like just stuff that's going on within their community that isn't directly related to Dunbar. Every conversation right. has to do directly with him or directly involves him, right? Yeah. So when you're talking about, oh, look how well they represented these characters. I'm like, I mean, did they really? Because what did they do outside of like, be around him and help him? Like there was I honestly think when, yeah, when people say that, <laughs> I honestly think they just heard people speak in a language that wasn't theirs for like an hour and a half of the running time and was like, yeah. oh yeah, these characters are developed. I'm like, fam, no one, I don't know anything about, I, I, I honestly didn't know anything <laughs> about Kicking Bird. Like I didn't know anything about no. him before he died. Yeah, no, no. or I didn't, I didn't know anything hair about or, him. I mean, really Smiles A Lot is the one you know the most about because they do in fact smile a lot. Like it is, That's yeah. that. I guess, you know, it, it, Sure, like I'm seeing that happen on screen, but everybody else is like, you know, kind of there's a lot of talk about how this movie isn't stereotypical, but then it is kind of like wind in his hair is the warrior of the tribe, and then kicking bird is you know the the medicine man, and chief ten bears is the wise chief council, mm -hmm. and like you know, they're all and then the Pawnee are really like they're the to, the, to the nth degree, and it's weird because. I like they I guess they do briefly speak in the introduction where you meet West Duty, but then like but then they don't like they don't talk at all. They just like yip and woo and like come in with their, you know, their their weapons That's and they're so bad. Basically just like because yeah. I, I was watching that and I was like, is this the same movie? Like again, like this feels they're like it's just like suddenly they're talking. the villains. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm watching the 19 and suddenly they're like sneaky like, and all that. Yeah. It's like yeah. they're just sneaky natives who are just like sniffing around looking for the, oh, god knows what whether it be food or yeah like there's an implication that one of them's gonna rape like a family yeah. or something like i hate i hated that that was so yeah. gross Can, well, and it's and it's only the implication because that's the thing about film exactly. and the medium it's all about visuals it's all about literally what you're supposed to feel off of the visuals and what you yeah. get is a guy who uh, a Pawnee guy who slices open a teepee and inside are a woman and her two children 
And luckily, stands with a fist is like right there with a gun. But like, yeah, the implication is that he's going to like wild kill and rape them. Yeah, he like just, he gets that big grin on his face and starts. Yeah, and it's and... so reckless. It's so yeah. reckless because it's... there's no there's <sighs> no humanity to any of this. It's all just no. like they're the villains right now for this sequence of the movie. They're the villains. Yeah, and, and then we never and... talk about them again. No, <laughs> never. Ne- no. There's like Ugh. this continued legacy that like, and and I know like a majority of what people know about like natives in general comes from movies. And it's, mm-hmm. as you see, very inaccurate. But like, I've heard a lot of people who are like, well, you guys were uncivilized, mostly on social media. So I'm like reading these like comments and like my voice that I do for and comments. Not but I'm like, them in the face. Yeah, like if they said this to me in person, like I would, poof. Hmm. yeah but they're like well you guys were all uh fighting each other anyway and in wars and like stuff like but y'all weren't like i don't get why that's like a defense (laughs) right like y'all wasn't up to the same shit before y'all like got other people involved Uh, white people have done some wild shit just in the course of history that like you know to come out and be like well you people it's like "Mm, you people too like right like i'm not saying it was like it's like a spider-man they're just like looking at each other like (laughs) but me but but you know like (laughs) It's very is uh, yeah. This it's movie is so wild, reckless with its motivations, and like, yeah, well, it was really hard to take. Honestly, yeah, it was really hard to that, like continuously take over the run. Yeah, speaking yeah. of that, can we talk about stands with a fist? Like, yes, thank yes. you. I wanted to let's, get into this. Let's <laughs> let's do this because so, I think we're all on the same page. Yeah. Here. So allegedly, right. This is what Michael Blake says, is that he based stands with a fist on the story of Cynthia Ann Parker, who was a white girl who was captured by the Comanches and raised by them, you know, in their tribe. But how convenient is it that not only is she basically the first person he meets from the Lakota Sioux, but also like knows english like the way that she remembers english so rapidly is very convenient but also like the idea that it's just like oh like yeah we're like basically the same age and like we're the only two white people out here and like yeah the age thing thing is also very weird yeah because it's like why is this all of a sudden like appropriate too like they didn't try to like make it weird that she's like younger or older like no they just happen to be the same age yeah Yeah. well and then at, at one point like uh i'm trying to get her name because it was it was the wife of kicking bird oh yeah was like oh yeah like what did you expect it's two white people like of course they're gonna be (laughs) together and oh yeah 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 it's just like like an hour of this movie is a love story between dunbar and stands with a fist like this movie about (laughs) supposedly about the lakota sioux people we're just gonna cut an hour into this for just this love story between these two white people in the middle of like this native community. And it's like, what this story is, is so <laughs> like, so what did you, boring screenwriter. Yeah. Like, I mean, but this is, this is the age of this movie, right. Of like right. manifest destiny. White man goes into the deep, you know, goes to explore, finds himself, 
but in finding finds a wife usually finds a wife usually <laughs> finds a wife like just very for, conveniently where there's like uh, how many movies there. have done this though this movie this this trope is like over happens over and over and over again and it's like most kind of the most egregious here or at least the most egregious i've ever come across yeah where it's just like it's not a part of the main story it's not necessary to the story um this guy literally he's out there you know he's at the fort he's trying to figure out what's going on in the fort you know let's wait for other people to show up oh there are native americans here let me like see if i can jive with them just so conveniently this weird story of like and they cut into it in the movie so just like uh i mean they give it a little dissolve fade but it's really egregious just like how quickly we're in and out of this story and and there and her like motivations aren't changed by like so she was kidnapped by these people. Like, apparently, you know, one day uh, the Sioux just showed up at her house that wasn't on her land. It, they didn't own that land. And uh, what her dad literally just goes like, get on out of here and like waves them away. Just like <laughs> shoe fly from your own land. Get out of here. And then she manages to escape the slaughter that ensues. And it was probably raised was by those people. So confused about, but what she was literally just runs over a hill, and you have to assume that she was raised by them people instead of like right. also killed and pillaged. Right, but it's like this is this one of those <laughs> things that this movie does is this this is a revelation that comes like deep into the film, and so it's it's seeing... it, I think it's like two an hour and like thirty in like yeah it's like, a while the... and yeah. then it's like it like pivots to like really fast to focus on her and you're like what? and then you're in and out of that flashback like just so yeah. you know that part but we're it's like the... literally just like just so you know like footnote. yeah but we're seeing the lakota this whole time is like again they're they're really playing it up it's like oh it's not even that they're normal people it's like they're better people they're better they're than all friendly of us. Like, they're, they're friendly the best people you know, and then in the middle of you telling me how great these people are, they just indiscriminately murder a family and like kidnap a girl. And yeah. she's just yeah. part They're of the just tribe. just as bad as like the Pioneer portrayed like, like it was another hour random. into the movie. Yeah, I right. think they, they tried to say it was something about like trade or something. But like I was very confused why they just murdered these people. And then if that's how they were, why didn't they just murder Dunbar? Right. right. Like, it's just like a weird thing. But then, so she's. And but these she two, us, these two white people are built different. They built different. Well, they yeah, tell a story. Yeah, yeah. There's a story where she's like, oh, well, how did you get the name Stands with a Fist? And she was basically like, I, I punched a woman who was being mean to me. And then <laughs> yeah, she never fucked with me again. And she called was, me bad names. So I punched her. And which is, people were like, yo, she stands with a fist. Don't mess with that girl. Yeah. It brings me to my, one of my biggest complaints about this character. <laughs> Why is her hair so bad? That, <laughs> what, everyone else is, every other woman's hair is like nicely <laughs> braided. It's taken care of. Her hair is just like crazy and like yes. oh, like it doesn't make any sense. She there's looks a, surprised to be on screen every time yeah. you see her. <laughs> <laughs> she looks, she looks never there's prepared that, to be on camera. No, I, there's I, that I, there's I, that goofy scene after they're like they were making out because they had to make out behind that tree yeah. or whatever. And then she's like, back up, back up. Don't don't walk back to camp with me like this. OK, 
But then she like tosses her hair like mm, like a L'Oreal model. But I'm like, what are you tossing, dog? And why would you care to do it? Her hair is already all over the place. Give a shit how you look. No. She looks like Cynthia from Rugrats. And like, (laughs) I don't get it at all. Pow, pow, pow. And it's wild, too, because how they set it up, right, is like (laughs) Dunbar is in camp. And I guess he's just sleeping next to um kicking bird who's oh, just getting he's just okay just getting it in and then worst, he like worst scene in the movie can we just peeks over right now so and weird. then they both look like kicking bird and his wife both look over at him like do you mind and he's like i guess i'll turn the other way and just looking right no, at he, he, well, fist. He, he looks over and he sees that like they're like getting it on right next to like other people yeah it's not, not his just business. himself it's not his you <laughs> what <laughs> I like I like how you coming at this Jordan. Like he's nah, just, it, he's, what was he's just mad? He's not getting any. That's I mean, t- you know, turn he, around. He's a hater, and that's you know, that's all there is to it. But then he just you looks need to at, close your eyes. That's what you need to do. <laughs> he just looks over at Stan to the fist, like that could be us, you know. Basically, <laughs> and then because then that is there's the whole scene where he, he's like, oh, can we be together? And she's like, oh, I'm mourning my husband. And he's like, what's that over? <laughs> when's what? that done yeah when's it done but like, then what's even worse is like later in the movie where uh is it kicking bird who just like walks by her and was like you're done with that shit yeah you're done morning yeah it's just like it's over literally and then immediately walks she's by like, her yeah she just runs that. to to dunbar and it's like look it's time like let's just let's go let's just sow our get- so these oats man <laughs> let's get this popping what yeah I just there's so many parts of this movie, <laughs> and that... then we proceed to watch them make out for like a full 15 minutes. Yeah, and then like this is like the same frolicking. movie where at the beginning a man like pissed himself. Yeah, like there's a lot but then of shot weird... himself for it. And then, yeah, and then, sh- and then shot himself. Um, there's a lot of weird camera. comedy. Yeah, there's a lot of weird comedy in this movie where I was just the tone. Oh, yeah, of this his movie... like little fake Charlie Chaplin when she like kissed him on the cheek and he was like, whoop, I'm gonna fall over this log now. Whoop. Yeah, or like when he's chasing <laughs> kicking bird away from his horse when he's naked and then he yeah. just <laughs> falls over. You know, like there's a lot of like I don't get Dunbar <laughs> as a character. Like I, I have a hard time trying to make out what I'm supposed to be again. I Is he supposed I'm, to be just like utterly charming? He was just like, even in in the face of suicide, he was like, "Hey man, don't let him take my foot." I <laughs> guess like, so. Jokes on y'all, like my foot got gangrene. Like, what do you? What? It's nothing's funny here, man. No, I just I don't understand how he's not just so like wildly embraced by all the people, Everyone. like the nobody, because Somehow. except for the mean white people at yeah. the end, well, right? Because there's. That, I think that's part of what it is, right? It's like there's very little resistance to anything in this movie. Like anytime there's like the hint of some kind of complication, the movie and the next scene or the scene after will just undo all of it, right? Like immediately after he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like befriend these people. Like two scenes later, they're friends. Like two scenes later, Bro, they're yeah. over, they're having coffee. It's not a big deal. Like, uh, there are no consequences for this man. No, yeah. <laughs> like when did his hair like runs up on him in the beginning? He's like, I'm not scared of you. Like, I'm gonna fuck you up. Like, if you come around us. But then, like, two or three scenes later, he's just like, Oh, coffee? Okay. Like, we're let's, buddies. 
but yeah, we like? watch him like bathe for like 20 minutes. Yeah. So it doesn't oh, make oh, any yeah. sense. It's like, how do you spend so much time on things that are unnecessary and not enough time on the things that like actually should be happening just in screenwriting terms? Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, talk about how well this movie was received, <laughs> because this movie, like we said, made a lot of money. It went on a to lot. make $424.2 million. That's it even is, unheard of today. It is the highest grossing Western of all time. Um, and it won a total of 38 awards nominated for 64 total awards. Let's just run down some of those awards at the Academy Awards. It won Best Picture, beating out Goodfellas that year. Uh, it won Be- Best Yo, Directed. I mean, Goodfellas is obviously Goodfellas, but like Ghost was also nominated for best picture that year and that's a that's egregious as well yeah best director kevin costner won that kevin costner Fuck was out of my nominated. face kevin How? costner was nominated for best actor and again, okay can, we, to can ask, we real real quick can we get into this okay he is, can we, kevin let, let, let us talk let's talk kevin yo kevin costner is the reason this movie is boring yeah he yeah. solely is the reason this movie is boring because yeah. his performance is so fucking flat. It's just like so bad. It is actually a flat line. It is actually yeah. he went into cardiac arrest and passed away during this movie. It's so boring. Like his yeah. his uh, narration throughout the movie is just <laughs> the first time I heard it. I even thought was like, bro, are you just reading? Yeah. yeah, like even if it's, this is the journal that you wrote and these are uh, portions and excerpts from that journal, wouldn't you be more excited about the things that happen to you? It's like yeah, he's well, reading a birthday card from a coworker. That he, yeah, <laughs> right, that is not him. That's a person that didn't live those moments. Right, Wait, Cameron. Cameron, it, can you incredible. give us as as an actor? Can you give us uh, what what it sounds like when he's doing these oh, these geez. diary entries? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> When I arrived at Fort Hayes, I thought it best that I clean up. So I cleaned up. <laughs> that is, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yeah. He so really lifeless. just, just like, there were dead deer in the lake. So I cleaned them up. <laughs> and like, it's what? And well, because we need to talk about this too before we pivot too far away. We need to really give credit to all of the native actors in this movie because they are, are tremendous. Great performances. Everybody, like, top to bottom. Everybody, everybody is great. The board, it all is the native so, actors are giving incredible performances. It's crazy to watch them in contrast to Kevin Costner, who is is giving him giving them nothing. No, he's just he's there. He's kind of like I, like almost like a tourist on his own movie. It's like he won a contest to be in a Hollywood film. He's just like, here I am. <laughs> like, it's me. Yeah, like he's a <laughs> like he's a regular guy who's never even thought about acting. Just showed up in a movie, and now yeah, this is what you get when you get a random human in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Graham Greene is like giving everything and every scene that he's in is like tremendous. Graham Greene also got nominated, which also was, nominated. Uh, yeah, for, you know, great supporting actor. But, uh. For some reason, Mary McDonald got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Stand in the Face. And I'm just like, 
you were doing basically what Kevin Costner was doing. Like, yeah, you were just with more bewilderment. Like, yeah, she did more... the when she had the scenes where she was like trying to fake like she didn't know English. It even oh took me gosh. a minute to be like, oh, why doesn't she know English? Because, oh, OK, so she wasn't she was like eight when she like last learned her last English word or whatever. But she knew so many words, but she knew she so many so words. Much. <laughs> and then like in the next scene, she's just speaking it perfectly. It's like, yeah. I was having full conversations. I mean, I guess we're supposed to in the four hours that, you know, this extended cut is they never really have a situation (laughs) where he's reciprocating teaching her English. So I mean, I I guess we're just assuming that's what's happening. But yeah, you know, the sexual tension, which there was zero. None. (laughs) Literally as much like, dude, it's like it's like two white people. They have looking at each other sexual chemistry of like milk outside of a carton <laughs> like spilled milk bro they got like the same chemistry so gross. it's so yeah. put on and like yeah like the scene where she like unbuttons or un whatever her top and they're like his hands are on her back i'm like oh my god do you have sex do either of y'all have sex you don't <laughs> ever you don't ever have you do you know what it like- is Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, um just going down this list yeah michael michael blake for this won, trash pile. michael blake won academy award for best adapted screenplay which seems like a cheat because you it's your book you adapted it, your own book into a screenplay uh, which right. is a screenplay to begin with so like dude right. like nicholas Pelegi <laughs> uh adapted his own book for goodfellas which is a way better script yeah um <laughs> and one best well it was nominated for best art direction one best cinematography sure nominated that one. that's best the sure. yeah. only one we'll get and what's he even up against the cinematography Let, let's just be clear yeah, look at it uh, i will also say it's nominated for best costume design and i will give them that that the costumes did look very good uh you know they were they did a lot of work to make them accurate so yeah, Actually, yeah. this is um, a pretty rough year as far as like cinematography goes it's a uh, well barry levinson's avalon uh, mm. The Godfather Part Three, the oh, just the, the way worst, worst one, yeah. one the by worst a mile. One. Henry and June, uh, which is like uh, I've I it's a French. I know it's a French film, or I I know it's about French things. I've never seen it. Yeah, and uh, the only movie that would give it like a run for its money is uh, the Dick Tracy movie. Oh. <laughs> which is like by all accounts a silly silly film but yeah kind of cool in what they tried to do in that movie and right. he tried to emulate a lot of styles and he got it a little right with that one so the, oh. Oh, the only thing that would give it a run for his money is dick tracy but dances with wolves is like it looks like what quentin tarantino was trying to chase with Django and chain yeah and, uh, hateful eight vistas of the mountain of the wyoming mountains mm-hmm. uh even I even thought like some of the choice shots among characters were kind of cool. Like there would be things happening in the foreground, but then you'd be equal focus with whatever was happening in the background, which was like kind of elegantly blocked. Mm-hmm. There was like some good stuff going on there. Yeah, I yeah. will say. Well, let me tell you the most. You're not going to believe the award that it won. It won for best film editing, which is. Uh, <laughs> what editing how? happened? Yeah, like, like, they just they linger the on those shots way too long, fam. It's like. The, the one where he like rides across the mountain and it's like we literally have to watch him go from side of frame to side of frame. Yeah. Just because like we why not we must see the mountain. It's literally like two <laughs> takes him two minutes to cross the camera's pane. But it's like we have to see that. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know if any movie that's three hours can win best edit. <laughs> I will say the cool one of the coolest things about the editing was the the famed buffalo hunt sequence. Yeah. In the middle of the movie. That's where I guess it wins because I was trying to figure out. I mean, as the filmmaker, I'm like trying to figure out like, okay, how do you make it look like you actually shot a buffalo? And then so the, I know the, you right. do the trip. Yeah. The buffalo go, were go anim- in. They were animatronic. <laughs> yeah, they were, right? Yeah. So they had Some actual of them buffalo. Were. They had actual buffalo, but anytime you're seeing the buffalo killed or anything like that, they were animatronic buffalo. They were animatronics, ah. like the same ones that were like slaughtered in the in the fields were like, yeah. you know, dressed and like tripped. They, they do the same thing when they like uh uh in the old westerns, they trip right. horses with small wires. Yeah. And they kind of did a lot of that here, but they would chop it with like shots of the arrow like hitting it. So you never really you never really quite see like connection. You just be like, oh, my God, it was shot. And then they tripped it. Oh, my God. That's and it's, that whole sequence is kind of like. I feel like I feel like Homeboy directed this movie off of vibes and like mm-hmm. the vibes are strongest in that sequence. Yeah, because it that, looks great. It does. It honest, it, it, like they're riding alongside the buffalo. He's really shooting the buffalo from like the horse. It looks epic the way you would expect. Yeah, uh, it's just dead center in a really, really fucking boring movie. Yeah, it's, so it's the it's the jelly in a white ass bread sandwich. Like, yep. <laughs> uh, it also wins best original score, which you know, score is pretty good. I don't score know what else goes up against. Yeah, but... I've listened to it like outside yeah. of the film. It's... Oh, it actually it actually went up against an all timer for score. If you're like me, you're a fan of John Williams, and one of John Williams' best scores, in my opinion is the one for Home Alone. Which, and it went up against it? And it went up against Home Alone. And wow. it beat like kind of a like a memorable theme. Like you hear the Home Alone yeah. theme and you're like, oh, we at the house. We bought this house to set some traps. <laughs> Let, let's let's get down with some shenanigans. Like, yeah. you know, that sounds crazy. Like a, I like that's a score I'm going to put into my my cycle. Because, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see Yo, that. I, I dropped. I drop that little Carol of the Bells for Christmas every time, you know? Ooh. Yeah, definitely drop that in your next Christmas playlist. Yeah. Wow, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. This is this is what I do. <laughs> um, and then the last one that wins is um, Best Sound. Uh, Galloping Horses. Yeah. Sure. Uh, um, it's also uh, preserved in uh, the Library of Congress um as great that's crazy films to watch for the future and if we if we get into some of this behind the scenes stuff like there's a lot of just weird things about this movie so again we talked a little bit about michael blake who you know basically like wrote this as a screenplay then they were like we don't want this movie and then you know kevin cosner comes in and and basically is like look you know i really want to make this movie and just i guess strong arms his way into getting this film done a lot of people were predicting it was going to do bad because the last big western heaven's gate in 1980 bombed big time notorious bomb notorious uh, notorious yeah yeah Yeah. and so you know it was it was kind of a a surprise hit in the sense of nobody was really expecting this all the all the things people were hearing about you know Kevin Costner is making this like three hour Western epic. <laughs> you know, nobody was really going to 
by it being a huge success, but then obviously it was. There's a lot of, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit because Shay was touching on it in the beginning and it is, how I mean, would you call it a divisive film uh, in, in native circles? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like even, okay. So even like last week I was hanging out with some friends and they were telling me that after watching one of the new episodes of reservation dogs, like they put on dances with wolves cause they, neither of them had ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And they're like two different ages. Um, like, you know, one is in their thirties, one is closer or like in their mid forties. And so they like stayed up until like 3am watching this movie because they just like as native women had never watched it and i'm like why um like how also how did you stay awake that late during such a boring boring movie movie? and you started it after midnight like how i would immediately fall asleep i'd fall asleep before you even tried to commit suicide to be honest (laughs) so yeah it's definitely one that is like very decisive or like again some people are just like why would i watch it yeah so well so, you know, getting some some quotes here, Michael Smith, who was the director of San Francisco's long running annual American Indian Film Festival at the time when the movie came out, said that there's a lot of good feeling about the film in the native community, especially among the tribes. I think it's going to be very hard to top this one. So there was there was some love for it. Uh, but there was it, also man. a lot of just people who are like, what is happening? So um, let me find the exact quote. So. Uh, Russell Means, who is a, a native activist and actor, basically called it uh, the Lawrence Arabia of the Plains. And that's that kind of feels right. Like it does have a it lot does. of the same yeah, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, and he's also the one who was talking about just the the gendered language and how that was absent from the film. So everybody was speaking, you know, in the more feminine way of the Lakota tribe. And apparently, you know, they kind of like rushed the uh, that part of the movie like as much praise as it gets like people basically had to learn the language in like three weeks or less right to kind of get you know the the, Damn. the movie on on track and so they like just omitted that whole section of it because it would be too complicated to teach them all the the different gendered pronunciations of things oh my God. so they just kind of threw it in there and you know like because of this movie was pulling actors from you know all different tribes like nobody really spoke Lakota so like they had to learn the language even though you know like if there was any familiarity it was still like no you have to learn this specific like (laughs) pronunciation of it and and just roll with it so like Graham Greene was like he got the role and they told him he had to speak Lakota and he was like I don't Speak. Right, <laughs> it's not my language. I don't know. <laughs> You'd expect me to know that. Um, there's also just a lot of weird controversy because you know they there was a lot of love for this movie, and so the Sioux Nation did, I guess, make Kevin Costner an honorary member of the Sioux Nation after this movie came out. That's but, unfortunate. But well, here's what's unfortunate. After (laughs) several years later, after that, he was made an official member of the Sioux community. Costner tried to build a casino uh, and a railroad that traveled from Rapid City to Deadwood, South Dakota. uh, That was just going straight through Lakota land. Uh, So (laughs) what? Just yo, uh, just I want yo. 
Yeah, I want so, the confidence of a forty-five-year-old <laughs> white man. Like, right. If I had that confidence in my body, I I could be better than Barack Obama. Like I, the potential, just the exercise potential in my body. That's crazy. You make yeah. this movie trying to honor these people, and then you take that money, and then you like just literally railroad them. Lit- you literally, literally <laughs> railroad these people. Yeah, I mean, there was you a lot can't of can't even like, like the irony is just. Yeah, so flabbergasting <laughs> instead of the casino, he helps found the Museum of uh, Tatanka, the story of the bison. I'm going to kick this man his chest just because his, so, little, his little casino didn't pop off. He was like, oh, sight. he's like, I'm I got to do, do something. I got to yeah. do something with all this money. Hold my, holding my pants. Up. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's it's very, very crazy because there's 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 even more. If you listen to the <laughs> oh, interview God, that, are you serious? There's yeah, more to this story. Um, so this is this Jordan is has what, all the notes. I love this. Yeah, this I, I is what Michael it. Blake every episode. <laughs> in, a, in an interview that Michael Blake uh, did years after the movie came out, uh, just speaking about it, he says, I think because of dances, it's a little more acceptable to make movies about people of color. It's a little more acceptable to make movies about people who speak different languages. Wait, did he say people of color like them. in the yeah. quote? Yeah. I'm going to kick this man in his chest. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's more acceptable to make movies about people who speak different languages and to use their language in the film. So he feels very great about you know the movie that he made he feels like he he was doing he's, something he's, to advance he's the reason color. spike lee can make films <laughs> he's the that's reason, what i thought he's the Which reason is, john singleton even exists yeah but what's wild is you know what movie featuring native people gets made after this is last of the mohicans starring yep. uh, <laughs> uh daniel day lewis so that's, you that's know as a, my forehead with <laughs> and west duty he's back as another pony um yeah but it is it is weird just like the lasting effect of this film because there's a lot of like oh yeah like it really opened doors and like did so many great things and yet no native people were involved in the writing of this movie and the direction of this movie and the production of this movie basically they were hired to act in the film and then they hired some and teach the language to them yeah to to right. teach the language and to you know do costume design and stuff but besides that they were not really involved at all when you look at the two speeches that kevin Costner gives at the academy awards when he accepts the best um director no thanks to the native people just he's he's running down all of his friends and family and he's so grateful that he wins and you they cut to graham green you know applauding in the audience and then when he wins for best picture there's a brief thank you to my you know native brothers and sisters and that's about all the time he gives to that you know in in the two big speeches he gets to make and he had notes like he wrote down what to say and did not include a thank you to like a heartfelt thank you or any real words of you know because it's it's weird to think of i'm forgetting which academy awards it was that um who why am i blanking on his name from Mar- marlon, brando. marlon brando marlon brando oh yeah like, yeah the sassy his, little feather yeah makes his big impassioned speech and you know gives the platform you know to a native person to speak but then like 
you have Kevin Cosner who made a whole movie supposedly about yeah i was just about to say supposedly about these people supposedly yeah it does not give them a chance to speak at the academy awards like it does not bring up graham green to say hey you know you're here like can we hear a few words from you about what this movie means or anything like that he's just like thanks to me gonna take all this credit and uh (laughs) adulation and all the other people that other white people have told me to thank yeah but not you guys no, no, no. And so even when you look at the larger structure of it, like Kevin Costner is playing white savior in real life where yeah. he is like, yes, look at what I did for look the at what I elevate, how I elevated them. Yeah. Like he he talks about it a lot, you know, in the past tense, for one, when he speaks about Dance with the Wolves, but then also a lot in the sense of like, you know, he felt a real kinship and a real like, you know, I, I was so grateful to be able to make this movie and, and you know, feature these actors. But then again, tries to build a casino and you know, do all this other stuff, which makes me think, here's the last thing I want to talk about just in terms of the movie itself. Right. Like. I really struggled with the ending of the film because the ending of the film is that text right but it's also just dunbar and stands with the fist just walking off just into the receding distance. into yeah the snowy forest how long do you think it was before they just went back to being white people right oh, because that's yeah um, yeah that's yeah. the crux of what's wrong with this movie the revisionist history of um, I mean, we didn't get to play this drop, but we'll, we'll we'll throw this in here because really the 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 thesis of this movie is and you don't even go here. That's right, right? Like he <laughs> does it's not true. go here, right? Like he comes in to this community, basically inserts himself. I mean, they you know they make it so like oh no, we're welcoming him in, and we really want him to be part of. For reasons I don't understand, why would you want him to? Oh man, no man, with you like he's not even interesting looking. Like there's nothing. (laughs) There's nothing. You know, it's one thing if it's like, yeah, we'll cohabitate. Like he's not bothering us. We're not bothering him. He's got some stuff that we need. We can trade. You know, whatever. But like, he's not going to be our best friend. Like you know, thankfully they didn't make him like chief of the tribe by the end of the movie. But he was God no this close really because there was a lot of like. In this story world, it was almost there. Yeah. (laughs) But like the idea of you really think that the two of them are just going to go off into the woods and live a life. And like, because that's that's it, right? Like he can go back to whiteness whenever he wants. Like there's nothing stopping him from just going to the next town over, calling himself uh, Paul Jenkins or whatever like well, nobody's gonna check name, uh, Dunbar, yeah whatever he was named. yeah nobody's John gonna well, nobody's gonna check his papers to see if he's really john dunbar like right he could just call himself you know chris whatever and like just show up and you know put some clothes on and nobody would give a shit um so it's like what <laughs> what about this movie makes you believe that for the rest of their lives they are going to live out in the mountains and never return to the white society from which they came. Like, I feel like it's pretty definitive after maybe a few months out in the cold 
you know, they're just going to go into the, like the first time they have to go into town. Cause that's the thing, right? Nobody from the Lakota tribe can just walk into, into you know, town. like, like a settlement and just show up and just say, Hey, right. you know, like, do you guys have any have an wood or any... brown face? Yeah. Right. Like, but he very much so can just stroll up, buy supplies, trade, walk away, like no consequence. Right. So that's, that's really it. Right. Like this movie posits it as oh yeah like he really gives himself to you know this new identity and like completely becomes one with these people and like learns their ways and their language but it feels like a summer abroad right like it feels like this very disposable <laughs> yeah i was gonna like, say a missions trip so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah very it's just like very disposable you know, very like yeah I'm and i'm out yeah when this is no longer beneficial to me i can then go back to my very comfortable privilege and just be a white man and live my life. And nobody is ever going to question whether, you know, if, if they come into my home and they see, right. you know, like some, you know, native like stuff, I could just play. Oh yeah. You want to hear a story about how, you know, for like two months, I <laughs> lived out in the plains. I summered with know? the Lakota. I, I yeah. summered with the Sioux. Yeah, but like, you know, but nobody's going to be like, oh, you, because that's the thing. Like, there's that scene where one of the soldiers is like, you went native, you're a traitor. And it's like, to what? Like, like how so? Yeah. Like, like, when? When did he what, become a traitor? What did he, he do? Never, yeah, when is he not allowed to come back whenever he wants? Like, when is, when is he exiled from whiteness in any real way? Like, I think he could very easily just put on his union uniform and just walk into fine. any time and it's yeah and it's fine be and good. same thing with stands with a fist like just yeah. put her in a regular dress and nobody would know it's literally like yo you're white you'll be good you're yeah. good yeah. your, hair, your, your hair face is crazy. your credit card you'll be totally <laughs> fine it's not even like they have to worry about it because he fell in love with like an, a native woman or something mm-hmm. like he right. literally fell in love with the only other white woman who can like go and like into his lifestyle Perfectly Yo, fine. They could call themselves Paul and Nancy and like move no to Massachusetts one. and they'd be so good. Yeah. yeah. Perfectly fine. Exactly. Uh, so just another reason why this movie, anybody who's trying to defend it as like, oh no, like he was saved. It's like, but was he really though? Because, you know, he got all of the, he got all of the benefit. They benefited very little from him being around, you know, like, right. Yes, you know, he had he had the guns. So he, clued them could... up, he clued them into the attack and he gave him the guns. It's like, yeah, but there's also, you know, a very if so this is yeah, this is the last thing that I wanted to mention is two real life changes that were made for this film. One in the original novel, it was about the Comanche, um, but because mm. they decided to set the movie somewhere else, they could not. I mean, it would be inaccurate to use the Comanche so the Comanche people were pissed because it was like well the book is about us but now it's about the Lakota people like what happened you didn't miss much uh, you know yeah <laughs> right like <laughs> um, don't don't want to fight don't, don't want to uh, they're probably that, happy no. about that now yeah yeah, yeah. dodge a bullet the reverse is true as well about the Pawnee people who historically you know documented and recorded they were the ones who were getting killed and you know like ran off their land by the lakota like Mm -hmm. the lakota had relocated from you like the midwest area and because you know their ability to trade they had gotten some guns so they had guns that they brought over and were just slaughtering pawnee you know to 
to benefit themselves. So even in the movie, the Pawnee are like, what? Like, <laughs> you're going to make a movie about us. And first of all, we're like wild savages. But two, you're going to slander us as like the aggressors in the situation. Really, it was the reverse. So just another example of like, just, oh, yeah, like somebody else's culture and history as like, just just set pieces in my my revisionist history that I can move around to suit my whims whenever it, it suits me to like just completely ignore what actually happened. So mm-hmm. love to see it. Uh, <laughs> when we look at changing this movie though, um, Shay, I'd love to hear how you would if you if you chose to redo dances with wolves, uh, <laughs> remake it or, or or in what way could dances with wolves be salvaged to not be a white savior film oh this is a hard question because i'm not exactly the biggest fan of any film that puts native people in the historical past it's where our narratives usually live on screen where you know and especially in the western genre Mm -hmm. it's just so tiring to see it time and time again because people already think that all native people died um (laughs) i've had i've had that said to me um before like that one's not an instagram comment that is a People don't even know how genocide works they be doing it and don't even know how it works they don't even know they don't they don't know <laughs> oh, they we really killed all don't. them that's terrible <laughs> wait that's... i thought they all died like um that's so hard no um so that's like my biggest like thing with this film is uh even if you were to say put it in in like kicking birds perspective would you still be able to salvage it when it's like just so surrounded by whiteness from the time period? And yeah, I you don't choose know. to not. You could choose to just make another movie. That's going to be I'd probably choice, make another movie, but... <laughs> especially with this budget. Whew, I'd yeah. be making something so much better. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cameron. Um, let me see if I can salvage it. Like, good luck. I mean, yeah, I know because the story is so centered around Dunbar, right? You mean Dances with Wolves? Yeah, Dances. No, his I, real mean name, Dunbar. I, I mean his government. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he, so, so the 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 like the, he's literally the catalyst of the story's conflict. Mm-hmm. Stories about him, yet it's drenched in a the indigenous aesthetic, right? Yeah, it, it, it this his story takes place amongst that backdrop. So, I think you could, and even if you try to like st- take it from somebody else's point of view, it would probably be like stands with a fist point of view if you're trying to make that movie. Cause like right. that's right. The, that's the other movie that Hollywood would want to make that the, she was kidnapped from her home by these treacherous people who became her friends. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then, so what the narrative ends up being, if it's from the Sioux point of view is we were chilling white man showed up he had a lot of problems but he also was like hey there's more white men coming so it's like this whole story 
no matter what angle you come at it from is about colonialism yeah (laughs) there is it's about like colonizing somebody and and like honestly it's basically the prologue for a much more complicated much more nuanced story which is the you know genocide of the indigenous people of this continent right and that's the story that this movie just like pump fakes at you know right it's real weird because like when you think about even just his relationship with them he is the whole time very aware and cognizant that like white people are coming here yeah it's not even just like coming in like a general sense but like literally here they're coming here yes right to this very this very fort i'm cleaning it up I'm yeah. cleaning up. I'm so cleaning can... it up because they're I'm coming. sorry. That that whole part of the journal was just ridiculous to me. He was like, I came and I saw and I cleaned up. Like, yeah, but, but it's he, like... he literally cleans up so they can show up. He's yeah, he, he knows the whole time. I don't know if this was in the original theatrical cut or just in the extended cut, but there's a scene where he goes with Kicking Bird out to like another not fort, but just like a, a place where some white like hunters and traders had kind of set up. And like, it's, it's, it was one of those moments where I thought they were really just going to have like kicking bird with like a single tear, like coming down his eyes as he looks at hey, the this trash movie wasn't even and like the carcasses far left from behind, it, yo. you know what I mean? Cause there was yeah. just a lot of that weird stuff. And like Kevin Costner was disgusted by the, the way that these white people were living and treating the land and all this, but like, kicking bird sits him down and like asks him straight up like so you know what like more white people coming and he's like yeah like a lot and he's like a lot, How much is a lot? and he's, and he's like, like a lot a lot <laughs> like as many as the stars and kicking birds like yeah that's man. in the regular uh-huh. too. That's <laughs> yeah the regular i hated you know? that but then it's like he's like a lot yeah a lot a lot <laughs> but dog you knew the whole time you've known right. this whole time like if you, you really cared knew- about these people <laughs> You would have been like, okay, so look, let me just, I'm going to keep it a hundred with you. Like, this is not going to get better. Like white people are going to come and like, they're really <laughs> not going to like give you anything. Like they're trying to, to wipe you out. And so he's just like, yeah, you know, like I'll tell them in a little bit, you know, maybe we'll have another, maybe if they ask, like, yeah, you know, we're going to have yeah. more, more bison together. And, you know, but it's just like, how can you claim we're to having be so much part fun? Of I'm just showing them coffee. Right. Yeah, how can and you like, to be part of these people and at the same time understand that your people are going to come and kill them all, and, you know, like, and you don't mention it. You don't mention it. You don't even like consider. So, so through omission, it's kind of like one of those. It's like you're lying through omission or like, yeah. you know, you're uh, you're not mentioning a thing, but no. you're going to do a bad thing. Right. Yeah. It's like in in his in his coming to coming to native american jesus moment he was like oh i forgot oh by the way but it's it's kind of presented almost as like a inevitability so he's like oh you know if i keep putting it off like you know it doesn't matter if i tell them now or later because you know the same thing is going to happen so like let me just let me just put that out of my mind and enjoy my time amongst the (laughs) lakota people because it's not gonna you know it's like get the fuck out of here um so <laughs> i would not make this movie 
again, <laughs> yeah. forever. I would I would choose to not do that. I would instead choose to make a movie about the Lakota people in like the time before white people. And yeah. Just, like, yeah. Here's a movie about and not even like about what it was like, but just like about them. Like what is it about what their what story do you want to tell? Yeah. Do you want to yeah. tell a a coming of age story about you know somebody who's transitioning because there's a lot of interesting stuff with the children of the tribe and like the yeah. children of the, the tribe the, the teenagers yeah yeah that was interesting that they were going to become men in this tribe and have to take on some of these responsibilities of hunting but also like being the warriors and the protectors and like all of this stuff so mm-hmm. like what does that transition from childhood to manhood look like when a lot of your responsibilities include violence include uh you know, doing some things that are, you know, not, not easy to live with, you know, like you're going to have to make some hard choices and you're going to have to do it at a young age. So like, how does that happen? What does that look like? What about, you know, just give me a love story. Give me a story about just like, like, like a whole, like even the idea of like a year in the life of just like, okay, you know, we're having some trouble with the with the bison right like they're not here they're supposed to be here now we have to kind of like completely change what we're going to do and you know how do we pivot and survive um even like inter-tribe relationships right like they are not just murdering each other at random i would i would have loved to see that the actual (laughs) nuances of that like the pawnee relationship yeah like yeah you get into like oh they're coming and they're coming quick But there's also, I mean, because there's even that mention of, right, like, this is, this part here is, like, sacred land that we've all agreed that, like, truce, like, we're not, nothing right. nothing bad happens here. And so, give me some of those, you know, intertribal politics, give me some, like, there's a lot of stories that you can tell yeah. that aren't, because I am not looking for, like, any story that takes place once white people get to the Americas <laughs> is basically just them killing native people and like i don't want to i don't want to see falling that. in love with their women yeah. i don't <laughs> i don't need part. that i don't need to have because there's there's a lot i mean this movie is a heavy revisionist fantasy in terms of like even at the time like i can't imagine the lakota being like they're living their lives they don't have a choice you know like mm-hmm. it's they could they could just i guess pack it in and just say fuck it like we're, we're dead but that isn't what they did obviously like they were going to live their lives and continue to do what they were going to do but there is kind of that like you know guillotine hanging over the entire yeah. story of like well we know what happens right and so like I don't really want to watch a movie where like in the back of my mind I'm thinking oh man like I know what's going to happen in a couple of years like I know how this yeah. whole story goes. Yeah. I'd rather watch a story where it's just like here they are like here's people like living you know their lives and we can because I mean we talk about this a lot too Cameron like watching movies from different cultures that kind of not just introduce you to a culture but like really give you an insight into how they view the world right like when you watch Korean films when you watch films from South Asia when you watch films um you know from all over the world like you're really getting a sense of like these are what what their lives are like that's what their lives that's are what like, you what yeah. They yeah. Value, you know like what what it really means to not just come from a culture but like to exist certain, within that culture exactly. yeah for it to be a part of you 
Yeah. Right. And that's and that's really what like a lot of the cinematic experience is, especially when uh, it, it is a movie from another country or it is a movie portraying a culture that isn't of your own. Mm-hmm. You're literally going to go see something that is like completely unlike you, yeah. you know, and you can and and you can choose to go along for the ride and like find, you know, the nuances and the interesting parts there. Or you can choose to like honestly like fold your arms and <laughs> be, be, and be at arm's length. With, yeah. With it, you know, and this um, movie like constantly holds the Native American people at arm's length. Oh, yeah. While trying to embrace them. Holds them at arm's length and then like mythologizes them as some kind of like for sure just a very like mystical like people. Oh, he already who just he wilding on the horse in the beginning of the movie. It's not <laughs> he ain't even like, there yet. He's not even like on the on their land yet, and he's still yeah. like wilding out. Right. It's just like oh man, like I I learned what it meant to be alive and like alive to respect and- nature and you know all of these things where it's just like they're real people too like they're not that, exclusively and that is their way that's the element that's or, missing yeah, yeah like to, like, to just aren't they so cool and majestic and yeah like i watched well, the trailer for this movie and it's oh boy it's oh it's it's one of those it's actually one of one of my favorite kind of tropes in trailers which is like don't talk it's just like shots of right, you know, shots of things going on, people smiling, looking at the yeah. camera or looking off wistfully. I like yeah. that kind of trail, honestly, because I don't want to know a lot about movies I watch. But this mm-hmm. movie literally just mythologizes and mysticizes the whole native experience. Right. It's just like, wow, they're uh, galloping away on horses over the, you know, the American plane. Like, isn't that majestic? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Uh, geese flying north for the winter or what, or south for the winter or whatever the fuck you know like it's just like it's the next like fake mystical earthy thing to get you to a smiling Kevin Costner and then dance yeah. with wolves well, it's, 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 with wolves it's this, it's uh, this like throw them out a window <laughs> revisionist white bullshit where they're just like you know what maybe they did have it right after all and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah and maybe- then you and then you guys maybe figure were that beautiful. out. Maybe they were a beautiful people that we subjugated and destroyed. It's like, like that. Yeah, you don't. You don't get to do that though. You don't get to be like, oh right. yeah, like <laughs> it, it, these it, cultures that like, we've erased. Yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of the same thing that I mean. As much as like like even Quentin Tarantino, like even as much as when he does his little revisionist history, mm-hmm. like like killing Hitler or blowing up Mass's house or, you know, yeah. saving Sharon Tate or whatever it may be, it's it still rings a little moot because, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. We all know how the thing ended. Sharon Tate died. Fucking uh, the subjugation <laughs> of Black people went on for another 250 years. Like, <laughs> Or uh, Hitler ended up killing mass amounts of Jews. Like, these things happen, right? Yeah. So you you playing in the sandbox and being like, psych, it didn't for like five minutes as much as it was fun (laughs) getting there. When you do it, it's not as cute as you think. Also, he's done it so many times. It like doesn't hit the same anymore. Yeah, Yeah. it don't don't hit the same. Yo, that was so disappointing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, because that movie is like literally just a three hour hang. And then like all of a sudden we're tied in with the Manson murders and yep. What does saving Sharon Tate actually do? 
you get a couple goofy mm-hmm. comedies in the 70s like yeah like sure Polanski's nice nice baby was born i don't know Polanski got a baby out of it like yeah, yeah like what did you really do fam nothing you know? I, I, I will mean, say Django is kind of cool because the house blew up kind of nice or like you know we <laughs> shot hitler like 30 times in the face like that was dope yeah so, yeah it's yeah. cute for five minutes but like like even and in dances with wolves it's the same thing like it was cute you little riding around with them like you know this, these my homies too for like five minutes but like but it didn't need to be a movie but it didn't need no. to be definitely didn't need to be three hours no and and or four. Still, or four and at the end of the day you still pussyfooted around the real situation which was that they came anyway they killed yeah. anyway and yeah white people still won Right, because he's barely conflicted. Like there's a there's a brief he's not, moment he's, where he's I would like, even say he's not conflicted. He, I would yeah. even go so he's far too as to say righteous. He's, he's too self righteous. Even Dunbar's character is too self righteous. Right. Yeah. Because he still has to act as the de facto leader of the group, the de facto protector of the group, because he's the only one who has the actual information about when the army's going to show up. Yeah. So even yeah. if he wants to play coy and be like, I don't know if I should join the fight or not. He's still the one with the information. He's still the one who mm-hmm. presented the fight. Like, it's like you still put yourself in that position. Yep. So even when you want to save, save the people, the real enemy you're fighting is the same people. Yeah. yeah. You're the enemy. And if you can't, right. and if you can't uh, reckon with that, you really have to reckon with that. Yeah. And I feel like this movie just washes away all of that all that uh responsibility yeah the movie eschews the responsibility of white people in their uh subjugation of a people again yeah you know well that's that's i mean that's the crux of it right is like the idea of what it means to be a quote-unquote good white person you know specifically in the world of uh dances with wolves where it's like well the good white people like yeah <laughs> like like loved the the native people love like, the indigenous people yeah they, they were they, they were they, you know they really didn't. even when they kidnapped them from their homes yeah they, they didn't still agree love them. With they were like this. we we're okay with that we're cool it's chill it's chill guys but the thing about it is like like you were saying one i mean that's not even how it happens but also the idea of being a quote-unquote good white person like what does that mean in the scale of history right like what is that what did dances with wolves you know dunbar actually do for anybody in any real substantial way at the end of the day like at the end of the day he had a decent time <laughs> out in the place. yo he met a girlfriend he met he met know. his you know future wife and all that but like you can't make this movie and not address the fact that kevin costner is not just like a he's he's infiltrating right like this community he's not he's not doing it out of any goodwill or anything like that like i mean there is a part in the movie where he's like yeah i should learn about these people you know as almost like a like i'm like i'm getting information about them apparently his whole journal is just like everything you need to know about like killing them <laughs> so <laughs> you know That's it's awful. just like you 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 can't we say it all the time, right? Like intentions don't equal reality, right? You could intend mm-hmm. to do a lot of things, but the sure. reality of your identity specifically in this time period is as a white person, like you are 
colonizing this land. Like whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether you believe that, you know, we should leave the native people alone or not, like you're complicit in it in every right, single way right, because right. you are benefiting from it in every single way. And I bet a hundred percent if you ask Dunbar, which would you rather have? Right. right. Like what, <laughs> mm-hmm, if you could mm-hmm. choose how you want to live, would you be part of the Lakota tribe or would you be, you know, not just like, I mean, I guess just any old white man like that gets you a lot, but like, no, he'd, port- he'd be a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war vet. You can go right. back home wherever his home was. And yeah, yeah. If, if you could be, you know, an important war hero and like have a nice cabin in the mountains of Montana and, you know, like all the whatever you want, it's just like, yeah, I would do that. Like, cause that's really all he wanted to do was like ride a horse. He just wanted to get away, (laughs) which is all like, it's honestly, so dude, it's like, ugh, it's, it's honestly like he won prices right. And was like, I get to, where do I get to go to the plains? I want to live in the plains for a week. Like he he's Mm. playing in the sandbox. I feel like Dunbar's character is playing in the sandbox of of non-whiteness. Uh, uh, Kevin Costner is playing in the in the same sandbox. It's just yeah. an excuse for white men to like not feel so bad about themselves for five minutes. Yeah. Even though the story you're telling is exactly is it is about the exact reason you should feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my well, recording just stopped behind because I guess it doesn't record post two hours. No, that's okay. Uh, well, oh. well. <laughs> i just was like wait we've been talking about this this long like yeah. i wasn't yeah like i said i could talk about it for a while and we did it <laughs> we, like we we're actually doing did it. that yeah well let's let's kick it around to our caucasity meter um cameron do you want to give us give us the three levels of caucasity for yes all of our films but, but for dance with the wolves too <laughs> so our uh lowest rung on this ladder is uh this movie is wearing shorts in the winter uh why are you doing it why are you wearing it's it's obviously winter no one's legs are showing yeah there's snow on the ground there's snow on the ground it's cold you're just showing off yeah it's it's not hurting me but you are you are on some foolishness right now (laughs) uh (laughs) and then our middle tier is uh this movie is touching my hair uh, oh, this God. movie has now entered my space and uh, is trying to put its hands all over me. But, you know, I'm quick with the duck and moves, you know, so it's trying to touch my hair, this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then our final rung of uh, caucasity is, uh, well, take your pick <laughs> of a couple different covers. Uh, it could be Taylor Swift's cover of R- September. Oh my God, no! So or by Earth, Wind, and Fire, or it could be uh, Chris Martin's live cover of Genuine's Pony. No, yeah. both, both of those are, are so bad. Both are uh, uh, just whiteness mutilating great black art that already exists and doesn't need to be changed. Mm-hmm. Even attempted to honestly be covered, I would never want to hear a cover of September. From anybody, yeah. honestly, no one, and I, and I uh, no one, and Taylor Swift thought it was just. A great I idea. need, I, I need to, I could make that better, 
it was it needed to happen maurice white wasn't done yeah <laughs> <laughs> so and that's and that in itself the, these covers are acts of violence yeah <laughs> so that's that's the caucasity meter we got it's it's shorts in the winter you're not touching us um uh, then uh touching our hair when you're actually touching us and then uh, these terrible covers of songs that people love, which are acts of violence against people. Where where does Dances with Wolves land on this meter for you, Shay? Mm, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go with definitely the Taylor Swift cover of September because yeah. the way that white people like to take art that they just like really should be left alone is the same way I feel like Kevin Costner was like yeah I can make a movie and include native people and not include them at the same time and that's the way I feel about this film I do feel like it is an act of violence a lot more than people like to admit Mm. Uh, Cameron Oh, I agree. That's 100%. 100%. (laughs) This movie is wild. This movie is like (sighs) vacationing. It's like, it's like vacationing in somebody else's culture. It's so, it's kind of, the concept alone is gross to me. And Mm -hmm. it's so sad because I heard of this movie. I heard it's, you know, cultural footprint. I heard about all this stuff. And then it comes to find out, oh, it is just like, Kevin Costner's vacationing in indigenous in indigenous culture, and it's not yeah. cute at all. No. It's actually no. really uh, bloated and self-important, and not really changing anything or pushing the form forward. It's actually kind of gross and yeah. more offensive than you and I think. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I will third that quote for uh, Taylor Swift September. <laughs> Specifically, there's a few reasons, right? Everything that both of you have already said. But when you think about, you know, native representation in film, right? Like this is everybody goes to this movie. Like this yeah. is it. Like this is the one mm-hmm. that when you talk about, like, oh, like what are some of the best examples of like you know native people on film? Well, Dance with the Wolves. But when you watch Dance with the Wolves, you're like. Oh, that's the best. Like that's the best that right. you right, can right. think of. Like that's not great. <laughs> so you know, like that perpetuating right as like this thing that people continuously come back to. If you look at all the reviews, we didn't even really get into this, but I'll quickly run through because it is pretty wild <laughs> to look at oh, God. the way that people. I mean, like the reviews of the movie itself, right? Were like, okay, there was a, a little back and forth i think on rotten tomatoes it currently has like an 80 percent um some people were into it some people were calling it out for what it was i think similar it it wasn't quite avatar right in the sense that avatar was like you know this like epic sci-fi film that like was dazzling people with the visuals but it almost kind of was like that where i think the visuals get people right like people see the yeah. planes and they see like you know all this beautiful cinematography and it kind of distracts them from the fact that like nothing is happening in the movie <laughs> and uh you know so i think a lot of people were, were caught up with that when you look at it on amazon the amazon reviews it's got nine thousand one hundred ninety eight ratings and it's at five stars Oof. when you look at it on 
uh, IMDb real quick. Um, it's also pretty high up there. It's got an it's eight. A, it's got an eight wow. out of two hundred, which is very high. Yeah, yeah, that's very and, high on IMDb. And like a lot of tens, people just loving it. Greatest movie they've ever seen. Going Chill. on and on and on about it. Ugh. Stop and, yourself. You know, I think that's what really makes these movies so dangerous, right? These movies win all these awards. These movies are, you know, law. So they're validated. They're, yeah, they're in the yeah. Library of Congress. And then people really don't take the time to, because sure, right? Like you said, Shay, movie comes out in 1990. People are like, oh, this is different. Like this is at the time a big step up in terms of native representation like they're actually using the language they're actually using native actors they're actually like trying to show some of the culture in a deeper way than you saw in any of the westerns before but the fact is when you look at the westerns it's like well they're not even trying so like it's hard to not be better than that like you don't really have you don't to have do to much do much to, yeah <laughs> to really have better representation so like to stop at dances with the wolves and say we did it you know it's like did you really do anything here like there's <laughs> just so much of it so i think that's why it is such a dangerous movie in the sense of like people really giving it all this praise and all these accolades for just doing maybe i don't know if you can even call it the bare minimum but like right not doing a lot you know and getting the most so in that sense i think there's there's a lot better and that's why going out i'd like to get some recommendations about what people should watch instead i'm just going to recommend reservation dogs great show uh incredible show i I love (laughs) it so much and again it's not just stars native people but like it's directed and, and written by native people there's a lot of them on the production side of things so like in that sense it's obviously more authentic than this with wolves but also like you're getting an actual perspective from people who have something to say and so right. it's not just a, a four-hour you know masturbatory uh <laughs> like oh my performance God, right? from from yeah. kevin cosner it's like a, it's it's actual you know culture to ingest and enjoy so that would be my pick yeah no great pick there i um have really loved that show especially as someone who's from oklahoma like it's so spot on <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I'm going to throw an odd one out just because it's like one of the only films that includes um, a really great Native actor who is really underrated, Will Sampson. Um, if people want to look at kind of some of this like post-colonization effect, I love his performance in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's like one of my oh, favorite yeah. films. And I think it says so much about just the native coping um without it having to be explained just because that character literally doesn't really talk in the film Mm -hmm. um and so i think it's such a nuanced performance because so little is said but but will Sampson is like this like super tall uh muskogee creek guy who is just like a brilliant actor and um you know jack nicholson is great in the film too so like that helps but like when you really look at um, the character of Chief as the main character, I think you you get a new insight into that film. So, for sure, Cameron, do you have any recommendations for us? Um, you could say Reservation hey, Dogs. Again. Yeah, everybody watch Reservation Dogs. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, yeah, that's that's honestly. It's that's honestly- really. 
and it's, it's really on fun. Hulu, so it's like it's yeah. easy for people to watch. It's yeah. that's why I like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying, I was I was honestly like searching through movies in my head. I was even doing a quick little search, and I was like, you know what? Honestly, like Reservation Dogs is honestly it's directed and written by Indigenous people. Like, why would you, why would you not want to see them talk about themselves? Why right. would you not want to see that? So yeah, go there. Do it. <laughs> Do <All right>. it. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we survived. <laughs> we survived. Oh Another week, like, by the way, this is like two in a row of like three plus hours. We're oh, really going man. through it now. Yeah. Uh, as long as there's not a director's cut, too. Yeah. I'm well, out. I'm out. I, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to work that out, Cameron. Next director's cut, you got to take that on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I owe you. I owe you one. I do owe you one at this point. Um, but Shay, as we get out of here, please tell us what you got coming up, what you're working on, where people can find your work. Yeah, find you on the internet, all that good the, stuff. If I have a social media account, it's under at just s h e a v a s s a r, or on my website at shayvasser same spelling dot com. Nice, uh, Cameron. What's what's up with you? Um internets you can find me i always do this every week and i'm like i forget my entire what it presence. is yeah for sure um but i am the blipster 1138 on twitter and instagram uh i do comedy with uh two karen with love you can find them on the internets at two karen with love um and we'd be making movies sometimes from time to time mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. look out for that hopefully so, hell yeah. yeah or anna or a grocery store commercial coming yeah. to you soon maybe <laughs> it, you know all kinds of work really diversifying that portfolio yeah that. <laughs> um and i'm jordan clark you can find me on twitter and instagram at jrsosa18 jrsosa18 um i have a website if you want to look at some comics j clark comics uh, uh you can also just go search look for me on comiXology i got comics on there you can buy that stuff um but yeah that's gonna do it for us we'll be back with more of this caucasity next week but until then peace peace bye You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.